Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Archie and his boys, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Why are you smiling all goofy? <laughs> well, I'm smiling all goofy because we're sitting here in Southern California where the air quality has been so atrocious for so many days that they've said, just don't go outside. Just don't leave your house. Is that what they say? Oh, yeah. That's what they've been saying. All of them. Like They, they really say don't go outside? Yeah. Yeah. T- today was one of those. Yesterday might have been a little better, but that's kind of been like what everybody's been advising since like Thursday or Friday. And I, I imagine this yesterday, but now I'm seeing it. Eric Pitkowski, not listening, not listening to what the, the scientists say, walking outside and sitting in this smoke coming from thousands of burning trees while lighting up his cigar multiple times a day. Yeah, that's an accurate uh, description of, I'll be honest with you, what my last week has been. <laughs> I, I've been working and I don't want to be inside because I like to smoke my cigars. Sure. So I've just set up out here. And Ward, I'm not kidding. I've been out here 8 a.m. till 10 p.m. and only going, <laughs> only going inside to grab another cigar or a little food or go to the bathroom. <laughs> and I'll be honest, there may have been a time or two where I didn't even go inside to go to the bathroom. <laughs> you are operating at a level not a lot of people could i think a lot of people just sitting outside in this air for that many hours for that many days might have to go to the hospital they might (laughs) they might be under a doctor's care now but not only do your lungs not get phased by that but you're also putting your own little extra touch out into the world i'm putting my own smoke into the world yours smells much better Uh, that's what i'm trying to help i'm trying to help (laughs) um you know this is something i talked to holly about You know how, I think you're probably one of these people. And most people are these people, by the way, most. Mm -hmm. Okay. Where you would say something akin to what I'm about to say. Mm -hmm. At some point in your life, you would say something like, I'll give you a couple examples. Uh, Yeah, this time of year, I always get stuffed up. Or, Or, yeah, I can't eat that because when I eat that, it really doesn't agree with me. I am not one of those people. Oh, you're not? No. Okay, because I am the opposite of that person. I don't know anything about myself. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what agrees with me or doesn't agree with me. I mean, in the end, I end up on the toilet no matter what I eat. So I don't know if one thing matters. I have no idea if a certain time of year clogs me up. I don't, people say, do you have allergies? 
I don't know. Sometimes I wake up and I sneeze and sometimes I don't. I don't know why. I can't even conjecture what it's connected to. I just think sometimes you sneeze and sometimes you don't. I know nothing about myself. I'm, I'm more in the oblivious camp with you for sure. What I do know is as I've gotten older, I have noticed the effect that dairy has on my body to the point I was sitting down for a pint of Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Sure. And knowing full well what effect that has on me when I eat it. But my I see it, my mind processes it. And as I take the lid off, I just ripped a giant fart. It's like my body knew like this preparing. is where it was where it was going. I was like, I haven't even tasted it yet. You're like Pavlov's ass. This is why I only eat ice cream late at night when everybody else is asleep. It's a good idea, man. I used to Sean Gallagher, a good friend of both of ours from back in our days in Indiana. Sean Gallagher had a sister who was several years younger. And when his sister went to IU, she, as a freshman, they changed the system on how you use your ID for meal points. Sure. Yep. Like when we were, when I was there, all I remember is I got my meals per day. Right. Three a day, you swipe them on your way. Yeah. All you can eat. Then they changed to a point system where you could use it anywhere and you could even use it at like little convenience stores within the dorms. I do remember that coming in at the end. Yep. And his sister had so many points. She never used them. And Sean and I, we just ruined her points. We, <laughs> she would give us the card and we would buy dozens of pints of Ben and Jerry's ice cream. And my mm -hmm. senior year, I lived by myself because I was dating Mandy at the time, who was a year older, and she would come stay with me when she, whenever she could. But she had graduated. I lived by myself at Dunhill Apartments, which is no longer there because Evolved 19 took it over. And every night I went to the freezer after eating whatever dinner I ate. I took out a pint of fish food, Ben and Jerry's fish food. You're such a hippie. I took a paper towel, I folded it in half because if you fold the paper towel in half, it is exactly the size to wrap around the perimeter of a Ben and Jerry's pint. Cause oh. too, too cold to hold, too sure, cold sure. to hold the pint. Yeah. And then I would leave it out for like 10 minutes so that you get a little bit of soft at the top. Yeah. And I would eat an entire pint of ice cream. <laughs> and I did it, I did it multiple times a week. No joke. Multiple. By the way, that was also at the time where I was popping creatine like it was water. <laughs> I didn't know you had a creatine phase. I had a creatine phase. Oh yeah, dude. I was popping creatine, eating Ben and Jerry's, just ruining this poor girl's point system, eating six grilled cheeses a day, it seemed like. And that was my life. This is this is why it works for me now not to allow the Ben and Jerry's to warm up. It slows me down. When it's frozen? Yes. It keeps me from eating it too quickly. My body has time to realize it's getting full and is about Ooh. to destroy the atmosphere around it. On a good night, I can stop at one-third of a pint. On an, I'd say on an average night, I'll stop at a half pint. Good for you. I, I don't have that in me. You know, they came out with those little things of Ben and Jerry's. Oh, sure. Those are stupid. What are we children? By the way, if you ever see somebody's freezer and they have those, there's never one. There's like 30 <laughs> because they know too. I just feel like saying to them when they buy them at a grocery store, if I run into somebody, I just want to go, 
what are we doing here? Who do you think you're kidding? I get it. It takes less self-discipline to stop than when the pint is actually open and you've got the spoon and it's there in front of you. That's really hard to stop. But if I'm like, I'm done with that and I threw it away and that thing's over now, I could see that helping me. Do it then. Go buy, go buy no. just two. I'm going to buy you two. Okay. All right. I'm going to buy you two. What's your favorite flavor? In a pinch, go with, because only the real common ones come in those right. little ones. So go with like American Dream Cone. Not okay. too chocolatey. Just make sure it's not too chocolatey. All right. I'm going to buy you two. Okay. And I want you to tell me if you can stop at just one. All right. Because there is no way that's happening. Okay. They are smart. They're just charging people so much more because if you buy as many of those to fill up what a pint is, you've spent more money. Sure. Yeah. You know, uh -huh. so they're, gen they're geniuses and they're evil. <laughs> but what what the hell are we talking about here? Well, I was gonna I was gonna say why we brought this up is because like Ben and Jerry's and so many other successful products and companies, uh, they're all powered by P lactose intolerant. Poopy, 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 bang. <laughs> farty, farty, smarty, farty. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Wait, I got to do this. I'm oh, sorry. Boy. I'm sorry. But for the last 20 months or so, we've been doing this podcast. And I've enjoyed every single second of it. Except for the few seconds in the grand scheme of things that we have spent on this podcast with you slobbering all over the Indianapolis Colts. Boy, oh boy, you don't have to worry about that for a while. So we got to talk about... Why would you do this look, to me, Eric? I'm not, I don't know football. Because well, look, I don't know football. I don't know you football. You want to put me in a bad mood. I don't know football. I love football. I love watching it. But you and I had a conversation not that long ago about Philip Rivers. Mr. Gribbers. Felipe Rios. Did, did I ever tell you about my friend Eric, whose dad would, would in his head screw up the names of people and movies, but he would totally be convinced that what he created in his head was the name? He would go like to a movie theater and ask for tickets to, for example, three tickets to Big Red Apples and would cause a scene when the person at the ticket booth was like, sir, there's no big red apples. And after five minutes of fighting back and forth, the person realized and said to him, sir, we have fried green tomatoes. <laughs> he did the same thing for, I'll see if you can pick the movie. He said, can I have four tickets to Mr. Gribbers? Which sounds to me like Philip Rivers, but Mr. Gribbers. Um, yeah. There's, something on the tip of my tongue but I, I i don't want the audience to wait while i figure it out mystic river <laughs> i bet mr grivers would have been way better <laughs> so anyway you and i were having a conversation about philip rivers not that long ago and i said mm -hmm. look he'll give you great numbers fantasy wise you'll get a lot of touchdowns and a lot of yards but you better hope you're not losing a game in the fourth quarter and give the ball to him to score a touchdown at the end this was, the, oh, this was not on him. Oh, even the even the even the coach said it was right. 
No, no, no. The coach, the coach took full blame for one of the interceptions, but it was like those travesties. I blame both on Philip Rivers, and he actually threw a third, but it got waved off. So I was terrified. So it is on him. No, but you're not. What what our conversation was? He's pro. He has issues in the clutch, but he delivered two dimes to T. Y. Hilton in the when it, when he dropped. So it was like. But you cannot throw an interception. You cannot throw the interception when you're down by four in the fourth quarter. And one time, fine, blame T.Y. Two times, maybe blame the guy ran the wrong route. The guy has over a decade of doing it in San Diego. A decade. Here's the truth. That was a complete team effort to suck terribly it against was, a terrible death football team. and and i i kid you not everything i had hoped for happened in the first drive like philip like he was slicing and dicing he was spreading the ball around all our skill guys paris campbell's now actually healthy and he could be something great they're all getting involved jacksonville had no answers stopped him on defense we go back down we do the same thing again but then they go for it like Frank Reich loves to do, and I understand why. Don't kick a, a chip shot field goal, and it was amazing. Uh, from that point on, the rest of the game was a shit show. Everybody contributed to being terrible, and it was like, wow, that that is – there's no explanation for it. It's, it's, it's inexplicable, and – this is the seventh year in a row Indianapolis has lost its opening game, but it never gets any easier. And with this one, it's like, wow, okay, now we're all going from, hey, win the division, yeah, maybe yeah. We make a little noise in the playoffs to like, are we even going to make the playoffs? And how quickly can Eason come along to take over for Rivers? I even saw some people tweeting Trevor Lawrence. Oh, yeah. Tank for Trevor. Yeah. Like, they're going to be so bad. They're going to be so bad. That's what they said Jacksonville was doing. Jacksonville beat us. Jacksonville had a fire sale on their entire franchise. I I am telling you. Anybody worth a damn was sent out. We brought in a Hall of Fame quarterback and an all-pro three technique and lost to them. Let me tell you something about Phillip Rivers. He may be in the Hall of Fame because of pure stats. But you have, as your quarterback, what the Charger fans have seen for, what is it, 15 years. You have the best version of Jeff George. Wow. You, you have a guy who will get you so many stats and tantalize you with amazing throws, and he is tough as hell. The guy will, will stick out any injury. He'll give it his all. But you will not win big with him because in the end, he will screw it up. He will. And if, if this one wasn't on him, he will be the one who screws it up eventually. And the the hope was it's like you don't need him to be heroic and clutch is that you have your offensive line is so dominant and you have so many uh, skilled running backs that that you take it out of his hands if need be. But and that's another thing. They went completely away from the run yesterday. Marlon Mack blew his Achilles. Oh, boy. Why? Why would you do this to me, Eric? Because we've talked about the Colts so much over the course of the, the last 20 months, we had to bring up the first game play of the year because it was so uh, memorable. Yeah, real memorable. I forgot it as soon as it was over, and now I'm triggered again. Anyway, um, these guys we're talking to today, though, I'm sure most of our listeners are fans like we are, but uh, this is a good time, and we focus on a team that hasn't lost for months, a team that won its last game. 
the Indiana University men's basketball Hoosiers. And you know what? It was fun to do this one. We're doing this intro after we did the interview. Uh, because when we started this podcast, it really was you and I just yelling at each other about performance and how was Indiana playing and what was our take. But we weren't trying to break down game film because we knew we couldn't do that. We were just trying to have fun going nuts and being irrational like we are. But we've kind of gone away from a lot of that because we, we fell into these interviews, which, which are amazing and we love. But being able to talk to these guys who all they do is break down the games with real detail. And, you know, you've got like statisticians there with Andy Bottoms, you know, who is Mr. Bracketology. You've got Ryan Phillips who, you know. Wait, you, you said their names. You broke your own rules. Oh, boy. You're right. <laughs> You've got one guy who's a statistician. You've got another guy who's a, a bona fide journalist who, who has been covering sports in kind of a pundit way. You've got a coach, you know, who's coached real basketball in the state of Indiana and gets it. And a guy who's been a fan to see the best of the best of Indiana. And then you've got another guy who is just analytical by nature, very rational, very smart, very reasonable, who kind of helped put the whole thing together. And then you got us two morons just mucking it up. But it was fun as hell to do it. And they're really good guys. And we talk a little bit in there at the end. I won't spend the time doing it now. But we owe these guys a lot, too, for helping us get our sea legs when we started. And so we've been talking about doing this for a while, and it was really fun to do. Well, and we got to see them at their event in Bloomington at the Switchyard, which was great but it's not like we got to hang out with them like we did in this setting you know this was you and me getting to hang out with the four of them and ask them a lot of the questions on our minds that we want their their thoughts on so it it was yeah it was really cool after listening to their show for so long to to sort of have their show on our show and get to just pick their brains with uh, some some analysis stuff, but really just a lot of fun. Hey, we're all super big IU fans who just love to talk about IU basketball. Let's go. Totally. Quick update before we get to the interview. Last week's show with Coach Tom Allen, the response has been overwhelming. So thank you everyone for, for listening and for commenting, whether it be on the Peaks message boards or on Twitter. Really appreciate it. And Coach Allen is a man of his word. He followed us like an hour after we did that interview. He is on board. He has liked many of our tweets, as has his family. Uh, we'll see how long that lasts before we get the unfollow, which will, will I'm sure, happen soon. Um, but uh, phenomenal. And I want to bring up one other thing. we got to talk about one other thing. Okay. I don't know if you've been – have you visited the Peaks message boards for the last week? Have you been on them? I've popped in there. So, look, we've talked on this podcast about my girlfriend, Holly, mm -hmm. and my ex-wife, Mandy, yep. starting a podcast together. It's happened. Okay? Mm -hmm. It has happened. They released it. I put a link to their podcast on the Peaks message boards. Yeah. I didn't okay. see that. Oh, you didn't? Oh, because it, it – it ultimately got deleted. Oh, no. I got shit hammered for it. Now, there were many Peaksters who supported it and were really kind and really nice about it and went and listened to it and I think enjoyed it. And to those, thank you. 
to those that shit hammered me for it. And it, it just became a crazy thing where people were saying, you know, that how dare I post something off topic, even though in the heading I said it's off topic, but it is related. Right now, like every other post is OT. I know. Like there's a post right now about people. There, there was a post about like favorite movies. Oh, yeah. DC General is always throwing up media. I know. So anyway, some people were really upset about it. And they came after me and said, like, how dare you? Like, why do you think you should be treated differently? So look, if it offended anybody that I put it up, I'm sorry you got offended. I'm not apologizing for putting it up. I was trying to support my girlfriend and ex-wife, which, by the way, if you've got a girlfriend or an ex-wife who's the mother of your kids, you want to support them both? Or, or, or the shit hammering you get from them is much worse than the shit hammering you're going to get from Aquitaine 22 on Pete's <laughs> message board or whatever. Like, I, I'm sorry, guys, but, like, I just wish everybody would just lighten the hell up a little bit. Just a little bit. Here's what I do. I scroll through the message board. If I see a subject, uh, a heading that interests me, I click on it. I investigate it a little bit more. Oh, I am interested in this. Let me go into this. Let me see what other people say. Or I just keep moving. You just keep I moving. Just, I just keep moving. It takes a second, maybe two, to get back out to the, the rest of the, the, the posts and just keep going. I, I would certainly never stop and take the time to deliver some hate on somebody for a stupid post. So I've seen plenty of stupid posts. It's just not worth my time to hate on it. Just keep I know, moving. but some people like to hate. They also didn't like, by the way, I don't know if you saw this, but my dad at JR Cigars in St. Louis, it, as, a, uh, as a kind of celebration of the week of our birthdays, which was last week, Mm-hmm. gave everybody 10% off that was a Hoosier hysteric. Hey, Free shipping, free shipping, no tax, out of state. So I put that up. Like, hey, if you like cigars, because many people have told us they've seen us smoke cigars on our videos. They're like, oh, you know, they get into the cigar thing. Thought that would be nice. Got shit hammered for that. <laughs> so look, no, no deed goes unpunished. It doesn't even have to be a good deed, but no deed goes unpunished. But here's the truth. I don't care if I lose your vote for trustee, that'll be the shame of it. But look, I just, I just felt like I had to address it because it happened on the pigs message boards and it just, sorry, I missed all the drama. It was just craziness. I I wouldn't have said anything, but I would have upvoted all your votes and down, downvoted (laughs) the other ones. That's how you can know I'm there. I do want to thank, got some really nice messages from people. So thank you to those of you who sent some nice messages on that stuff. Um, but let's get to this, man. This was a really fun conversation, and it's all about getting in the weeds on Indiana basketball. hysterics. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you know how we do here. We usually have a, a great guest, maybe two, maybe a father-son combo, a mother-son combo with a recruit. But that all gets thrown out the window today. Today, we have a slew of fanatical Hoosier fans, just like me and Eric, just like you, the listener. You know them, you love them, but Eric, you need to introduce them. Well, you know, usually this is where we go on a long laundry list of the accomplishments on the court or, you know, uh, on the sidelines. 
guess what? Today we don't have that except for coach. I mean, we got like, you know, it's just going to be real <laughs> short and sweet, but we make up for it in quantity of people. So let's start with host and founder Jared Morris, who was a graduate of Indiana in 2004, previous to the accomplished podcast that we are going to hold off on announcing what it is because we like to delay the gratification on the on the guests he did found uh and was the managing editor of midwest sports fans his father by the way we're like one step away from greatness here his father famed defensive backs coordinator coach for indiana football the last time indiana football was really good hopefully we're coming back uh as we have talked about in recent podcasts uh, so we're, we're one step away from greatness there. We have Andy Bottoms, co-host and founder as well, 2000 graduate of IU, so his age is much more akin to us old guys like Ward and I. Uh, Andy Bottoms has become one of the most respected bracketologists in the business. We constantly are hitting refresh come March Madness to see when he's going to put out his stuff so we can see are we actually going to make it this year? So uh, hopefully uh, in going forward, Andy won't have to stress uh, Indiana fans out because we're going to be in it. We have Ryan Phillips, co-host and founder. He is a columnist for The Big Lead. And prior to founding this podcast with Andy and Jared, he also founded the sports news website, Rumors and Rants. And then, of course, we have the only person here that's bringing real credibility, an actual coach, Coach Tonsoni, founder of Delphi Bracketology, founder of the Teed Up podcast, regular guest on basically every Indiana podcast that I think is out there. I think he's appeared on every IU podcast except for ours, but that changes today. And he's an actual coach of real basketball. Ladies and gentlemen, we are proud and honored to welcome the hosts of the Assembly Call. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. There we go. Great to be Uh, here. Look, uh, Jared and I have been talking about doing this for a long time. Uh, Jared and I, just to give some quick context here, Jared Ward and I, and and everybody on this call, have met exactly one time. We've met in person one time back uh, this last year when Indiana was still playing basketball. We were all there for a basketball game. But beyond that, going back to the fantasy camp last year, where I got to meet uh, a friend, a mutual friend of Jared's, Evan Martin of Community Cars. Jared and Evan grew up together, basically, like down the street from each other. Is that right, Jared? Yeah, right across the street. Mm-hmm. And so they were friends up through like seventh grade, yep. something like that. And mm-hmm. then Jared left town with his dad when his dad took a job that we are not going to discuss on this podcast. <laughs> no, we're not. Uh, and... Uh, and they, had, they lost touch and had not seen each other or talked to each other, I think, from seventh grade all the way till this last year, really. Yeah, yeah. And Evan came up to me and said he was a fan of the podcast and liked it and asked me if I knew the guys at Assembly Call. And I said, well, actually, Jared and I have exchanged texts because Jared, from the beginning of our podcast, and we'll get into it a little bit, was really supportive. Well, he was really supportive after step one, but we'll get into that. Uh, <laughs> for good reason, for good for reason. Good reason. <laughs> and so Jared and Evan kind of reconnected through that. And then I became part of that. We've had a running text chain for a year that is, I think if we all went back and printed it out and read through it, it would just kill us. <laughs> I mean, just some really, the, the highs and lows of being an Indiana fan. So 
Jared and I really since then have talked about, we got to get a podcast together where you guys come on and we chop it up. So here we are. So Jared, I'm going to start with you. How the hell are you? And uh, what's going on, man? I'm good. I'm just offended that you didn't dig into my high school basketball career and pull out some of the highlights from that. I was really, I was really anticipating that. It's the only I reason mean, I agreed give, to do this. Give us one. Give us one. <laughs> we, we made some calls. They said it wasn't worth talking about. <laughs> It's been scrubbed from the internet. No, it really, it, it really wasn't worth talking about. No. <laughs> so, we went sectional my senior year, so I was excited about that. So, oh, that's nice. That's big. Yeah. And now, Jared, you're in Dallas right now, correct? Yes, yes, in and Dallas. And how long have you been in Dallas? Goodness, like 10 years now. I, wow. I came down here for a pit stop on my way to something else, and one thing led to another, and now I have a wife, a kid, and a house. So it's funny how that happens. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> and is there a big IU community in Dallas? Is there a big alumni base? There is. Yeah, there's a big alumni base. There's a good uh, alumni uh, association here. So, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm always amazed. I mean, there'll be, you know, people that I interact with through the assembly call or on Twitter, and then I'll find out that they, you know, like live 10 minutes away or, you know, live right up the street. So, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of IU alumni here. Very cool. All right, since he's, uh, he's next to you on the screen, Andy, give us the breakdown, where you're at, what you're doing, how you're staying sane um, when Indiana isn't actually on the court playing basketball right now. Yeah, we're, uh, we're trying our best to, to stay sane, but as it's probably become evident over the last handful of our shows, uh, topics are, are drying up quickly, so we're, uh, <laughs> we're ready for some actual, actual basketball content. But uh, I'm in Cincinnati. Uh, this is actually the second time I've been here. We've been here for about seven years this time. We're here uh, for about four years out of college and then was in uh, Cleveland in the, uh, in the interim time period between those two. But uh, been back here, and my daughter actually had her first couple soccer games of the official soccer games of the season this weekend. So we were at a game yesterday, a game today. I have another one, another one tomorrow. So the games haven't gone necessarily well, but uh, it was it was good to see her back out there doing something she really likes and having at least while albeit while wearing masks, some sense of uh, sense of normalcy in the weather here. Just, uh, in in contrast to what you guys are experiencing, is like perfect, not humid, like about eighty today. Uh, nice and nice and cool here in the evening. So we're uh, we're trying to enjoy that and been back to school for a little bit and just getting hopefully getting back into the swing of things for as long as we can uh, as long as we can do it. And Ryan, who is sharing my facial hair uh, COVID growth, I would assume there, or or is it just like you shaved two days ago and this is what happens when you? Or did you just shave? give up? I mean, I just flexed really... and this popped out. I don't yeah, know. It's I get it. You got the hair <laughs> going on the top too. You're going face right. and top. That's impressive. I can't. I like it. It's like a most true, you know, beet farmer look. I think it's a really <laughs> good look for you. I, you're not the only person who said that. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think I was I was guest hosting on the radio here about two weeks ago, and somebody said you look like teen wolf. And I was like, you know what? That fits. I gotta, I gotta wear that. It does. You totally do. You look like the mid transformation teen wolf before it's total coverage. There you go. Uh, so Ryan, where are you at? You're in San Diego, right? I am. Yeah. And uh, actually through the course of assembly call, I've, this is the third place I've lived. I was actually living in Bloomington when we started it. I worked for the Columbus, I was doing work for the Columbus Republic in Columbus, Indiana. And then switched to Bleacher Report, moved to Milwaukee for a while and, and did it from there. And then after a while, I just got tired of Midwestern winters and just I'm from here originally. So I was just got it. Not, not built for that. So I came back <laughs> here in uh, 2016 and or 2014. And I've been here ever since. Cool. And uh, coach, coach, where are you at? You know, what's going on? You got some practices going on. What's the status of uh, of your pending seasons? 
Yeah, we uh, we just went back to school. I'm in Delphi, Indiana, up by that place that we're not going to talk about where, where Jared's dad took a yeah. job. So I'm in enemy territory. So, you know, this this is healthy for me uh, because I need to talk to some real people instead of just these uh, <laughs> certain fans up here. But our, we're, we're getting back. The, the football teams are playing. We're starting to be able to have some workouts in, in the morning, but not, not a whole lot on the high school level. That'll all kick in here in another month. And, and then – that'll be good because it's been six months since i've been to bloomington and uh, living here two hours away that that's a record for me um mm-hmm. i i try to get down there as often as i can and enjoy the establishments and all the <laughs> the sports and to not be there in six months it is driving me a little crazy but these shows and and your podcast and our shows really help uh kind of stem the tide until things get back to where we can go do those things again yeah i mean just listen to two of our podcasts it takes up the full six months that's so right. I, I will have to say, too, it looks like Coach is in enemy territory, and he has built a bunker. I mean, it yeah. looks like mm-hmm. no one's getting into that place. It doesn't look like there's a window within sight. Like, nope. that is airtight. All cream and crimson, accoutrements. We got shorts hanging. Whose shorts are those up there, Coach? We, we got uh, Colin Hartman is the white, if I duck down. Okay. There. Uh, Corey Barnett uh, is the red. And then I think just a random maybe blood jersey short that uh, I found somewhere. Uh, IU Artifacts has hooked me up with uh, a lot of good things. And some football jerseys, uh, game-worn football jerseys back where the bar is. Uh, But, yeah, this is my Indiana bunker. We bought the house 14 years ago, and within the first 12 hours, we had it painted in the correct colors uh, for anyone who stopped by. So, look, Ward and I, obviously, we've been fans our whole lives, and – we live out in Los Angeles where we don't Wait, get the of, local. Of, of assembly call or of. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, certainly since hope the beginning. so. <laughs> right. Uh, and it's, you know, everybody on this call, with the exception of coach, is not close to Bloomington. And so we don't get the local paper. You know, you don't get just the local buzz. So you have to really go out and find the stuff, the coverage. And for the last many years, the stuff that you guys have done have have filled a hole for us. We were fans of you guys long before we ever even thought of starting our podcast. So I got I just want to know, how did it start? You were, you've been an inspiration, I think, to a whole host of podcasts about Indiana basketball. But uh, Jared, Andy, and Ryan, you guys have been there from the beginning, right? So if you can, just jump in and tell us how it all started. Jared can probably tell the very beginning, and then I guess I could jump in on him. And then Ryan will just interrupt. Like, yeah, well, the whole thing. He feels the need <laughs> cool. to ask like the So, Jared, just get started, and then we'll uh, see how <laughs> um, So, you mentioned that I was running this site, Midwest Sports Fans. And so, that is how I came to know Andy and how I came to know uh, Ryan. Uh, Andy had actually started doing some writing for Midwest Sports Fans, doing some bracketology work and kind of writing about, you know, college basketball. And so... You know, I'd run Midwest Sports Fans for a couple of years, and it was it was relatively successful in terms of like driving revenue and had a lot of traffic. But I didn't really know anything about how to build an audience and build an email list and do a lot of the things that have helped us at the Assembly Call. And so I really got tired of doing it, just kind of like waking up and getting on the hamster wheel of trying to drive traffic and do all of those things. And I, you know, my first love has always been Indiana basketball. And so I started just kind of trying to write more about the stuff I really liked, and that ended up being more Indiana basketball content. And I was just trying to figure out ways to do more IU basketball stuff. And so it's funny. I actually have – the I pulled it up, the email from November 4th, 2011, uh, when I emailed Andy because I kind of had this idea like, all right, you know, I'm living by myself in Dallas. 
and you know watching these games and I would always kind of want to like you know talk with someone about it afterwards and there wasn't really a way to do that and you know there were other sites that were already out there so starting just in an Indiana basketball site didn't seem like such a smart idea but doing something different which would be like some sort of live show after the game seemed like there could be a niche there that no one else was really filling and that might be kind of interesting to do and so I have this email that I sent to Andy and it says uh Andy, what are your thoughts on doing the IU post-game reports call-in shows? I envision us hopping on the conference call line that I use for the fantasy football call-in shows, yada, yada, take callers. Uh, and I said, so I'll t it'll take a while to build up, so it'll mostly be us talking at first, but it could be A, fun, and B, a great way to promote the bottoms line, which was Andy's column at the time, uh, and your burgeoning profile as a college basketball expert. So, you know, that's really where it started was I wanted to do more IU basketball stuff kind of just had this idea of doing a, a show after games because it would be different and would kind of be a hook to maybe allow us to get an audience. And then since Andy, you know, I knew Andy went to IU and was doing college basketball stuff, you know, it seemed like it would be a good thing for him to try too. And so that's really where it started. And then we roped in Ryan pretty soon after that. Um, but that was, that was the start of it. There really wasn't a long-term plan at all. It was very much just kind of an experiment to give it a shot and just do something that no one else was doing. Yeah. And I remember the contact Jared and I had was I, I he promoted it on Twitter that they were going to do it for the first game. I think it was an exhibition game of the Cody Zeller era. It was that yes. first season mm -hmm. and he promoted it on Twitter and I was like, Oh, that's a great idea. And so I reached out to him and we had had some dealings in the past because we were both on the same distribution network with our websites. And I reached out and I said, Hey man, if you ever need any help, like either a fill in or just help promoting it or whatever, just let me know. And he said, actually, Andy can't be on the first one. Do you want to, do you want to get, and I remember thinking he's your co-host. You're starting a new, how unreliable is that guy? And then of course I met Andy. He's like the most reliable person. It just happened. He couldn't be on that first one. And so I essentially guest hosted the first one. And afterward, Andy and I were, or Jared and I were talking. I was like, yeah, that was a lot of fun. And he said, well, do you just want to do it with us? And I said, of course. I mean, that was. So if Andy had done the first one, we would never have heard of Ryan Phillips. Like, no, so I might've guessed once or twice. Right. But, Sorry, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, Ryan does, Ryan does bring up something interesting, which is that, you know, this is, this was before the 2011, 2012 season. And so we'd obviously just had, you know, the first three years of the Korean era, which we all know how that went. And that was the other kind of thought process that went into it is like, hey, we might actually be a little bit better. Like, this might actually be a team kind of worth doing this. There's a little bit it of might excitement be fun. now. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, you know, you look at all the seasons we've done, that first one probably was the most fun of all, yeah, of all the sure. seasons. You know? That was I mean, the watch shot year. I know. I, mean, I remember. Well, and that's the other thing is that shot, you know, happened like seven or eight shows in, you know, and so we were kind of hooked at that point. It's it was it's it's one of the funniest recordings we've ever had because I it, Andy and I weren't on that show uh, that like by to, myself. to host and it was just Jared I remember tuning in after it happened I was in Chicago and I was like well I can't be on but I tuned in after the game because I was so fired up and yeah. it was just it was just Jared going woo for like five <laughs> minutes that was the first of the, that's the show he's just screaming for five minutes and I was like oh yeah this is good. And I, I had completely planned to be on that show. I was doing a, we had like a software implementation at the, um, the bank that I was working at at the time. And so, so nowhere in my head did I think I would be at the office the entire day. Well, a number of things went wrong. Uh, I remember like just sitting at my desk, like listening to college basketball games, like on my, on my phone, the, uh, the brawl between Xavier and UC happened to be that day as well. And then, you know, I was listening to, to fish do the game 
on there. And so I was kind of talking back and forth to, with my, my wife. Well, she called because the, it was so far behind on my phone. I didn't really know what had happened. I was trying not to watch. And she called and I'm like, I'm going to hang up on you because where I'm at on the broadcast on my phone, I want to be able to hear Don Fisher call the shot. So I basically like hung up on her, then did that. I called into the show on my way home from work because we got finished. I called into the show to talk about a game that I'd listened to on the radio, but had not seen uh, at that point. But I at least did feel like I could, you know, kind of be there for Jared, who was um, just beside himself in, in excitement. And at that time, we were still actually, I think you even had callers on. You dug up the audio of that one because yeah. that was the other part. Yeah, that was back when we took callers. And that's kind of when the, you know, the name came. We were trying to figure out what to what to call it. And so we had decided we were going to take calls because it was just on like basically, like he said, a, a conference call line. Um, that never really went all that all that well, well the calls, for the most part. The, um, we love our listeners, but the calls were largely terrible. There were some <laughs> good ones, though. Like yeah, because Pam, you get, Megan. We had some good early like callers, yeah, but some of the other ones idiots, were. Like Ward and I calling in. That's why it doesn't work to do calls. Oh, we have something smart to say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> never, never anything. Coach good just grinds Coach. the show to a screeching halt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Coach, how did these guys – wrangle you in how do they they get you to add some legitimacy to what they were doing <laughs> well thank you I, I take that as a compliment i'm not sure that's that's true but um i i just started um i saw it on uh, social media and i t- tuned into a show and i asked a question on the youtube um chat below the the video and they responded and, and i thought hey that's pretty cool and then i listened to a few shows and i just kept showing up and asking questions and i think they just decided well if this guy's going to show up we'll start putting him to work instead of you know um and then i uh at first was just i was moderating the chat room we went to a different format uh and so i could moder- moderate the good comments from the bad comments and i did that for a while and started out they asked me on as a guest and i guess uh Everyone approved of what I said that one time, and now now I'm back, and I, I really appreciate it. But it was just um, a luck of a, a tweet, finding a tweet and and starting to show up on, on a regular basis. And uh, it's been a good good run for me. Well, it, it's, Coach is it, about as humble as they come, so he acts like we like or have done him some kind of huge favor in uh, – in adding him to this whenever I hear him tell that story. But uh, yeah. we are, the truth is, he's like the Keith Smart and Dean Garrett that basically like <laughs> yeah, is like the exactly, missing piece exactly. to what like we because I think like the three of us had pretty good chemistry. But, you know, what you guys say, adding a layer of legitimacy, like there's something different about having, you know, a coach who, you know, number one, a coach who's actually been there and can break a game down like that, but also someone who's older than us that was around for some of those great moments. You know, and so he's able to connect with the audience in a different way than some of us are. And it really was, I mean, perfect. I mean, we are we are very lucky that he took an interest in the show and wanted to jump on because it helped really, I think, take our show to another level in terms of who we were able to connect with. I also love that when Andy sets it up about how humble Coach is, that Jared follows it up with an analogy saying that Coach is Keith Smart and Dean Garrett, which means that Jared is Steve Alfer. <laughs> in that analogy no that's the role you have to be playing in that analogy um all right so i want to back up before assembly call Wait. ryan would definitely be the steve alford i mean that oh, is his right. idol so oh is it is that your favorite player no no okay. that's a joke I, oh. i've always said that i don't want alford to be the head coach at indiana oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah, so yeah. like it, it comes yeah so they always make Steve I get Alford. that. I, by the way, I'll take Steve all for the player. I'll, I'll 100%. Yeah. I'll, I'll take well, that compliment. So I want to go back to say, because obviously, you know, what we do, it's all about nostalgia. That's, that's the entire, I think, hook of our show is. And we've been able to branch out a little bit. But in the end, 
we geek out for the nostalgia of Indiana basketball. And even, and, and by the way, I'm using nostalgia on a guy who just played. I just love hearing his story from the last four years. But mm-hmm. clearly going back into the memory bank of IU basketball is special. What is each of your kind of defining IU memory? What was the thing that sticks in your head as like the one thing you go back to is like, I'm, I'm in for life. Uh, we'll start with you, uh, Andy. Um, it's tough to say. I, I think the first more vivid IU memory I have is of the 87 championship game and, and really kind of that whole, whole run through the tournament. But I, I even remember, you know, I remember that game. I remember, you know, kind of where we were sitting in our, our living room. We were north of Indianapolis at the time. And I remember we were there. We we're all kind of like my mom, dad, and I are all just like right in front of the TV and kind of jumping into my dad's arms after Keith Smart made the shot and stuff like that. So like, I remember, you know, we would watch games. My, my dad graduated from um, IU in the early seventies. And so, you know, he was always a big fan. So that's the first game that I remember. I think that was really cemented during the you know late eighties, early nineties teams in that, that you guys have talked so much about. Uh, I was always excited about it, but I think then I got a little bit older and then you really develop that more emotional connection to the players at that point. Mm-hmm. So definitely the Cheney era uh, teams would be what cemented it for me. But the first like real vivid memory that I, I feel like I have is of that 87 championship game and smart making the shot. Cool. Uh, Jared, jump in. So obviously my favorite player of all time is Calvert Chaney. And my favorite memory is being there when he broke the record against Northwestern. Like just that moment when the shot went up and the entire arena was just silent. And then the explosion afterwards, when it, when the shot went in, that will always be my most enduring memory. But the thing that really got me hooked was Jay Edwards. Jay Edwards is my first favorite player. um, That's when I first started going to games. Um, And there's this old video that my mom always loves to bring out on VHS where I'm like, you know, standing in the kitchen, I've got my like Smithville basketball, you know, cause I played youth basketball at Smithville. I've got like these rec specs on and my dad's like, they're doing a mock interview, like with the Turkey baster as a microphone, you know, <laughs> Oh, Jared, you know, are you, are you ready for the game today? Being like all serious. And, you know, so I'm like explaining how I'm really into it. And he's like, and who's your favorite player? Jay Edwards. I love Jay Edwards. So, mm-hmm. you know, he was, he was the guy just, you know, I remember, you know, just when I was, you know, really, really young, just falling in love with watching him play. But like Andy, it was those teams, you know, with Chaney and Graham and Damon Bailey and Alan Henderson and Brian Evans and all of those guys. That's what really like locked me in forever is going, you know, we were really fortunate. I mean, I, you know, my dad had really good seats with all the other football coaches. So we were there pretty close behind the bench. So, I mean, you could hear a lot of the, you know, the, the oh. timeout discussions and, you know, different things. I mean, it was, it was gentle close. encouragement. Yes. Yes. Lots of gentle encouragement. The real um, educational experience. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Very. And, and actually my mom originally went to games with my dad, but there was one game where when Delray Brooks was a freshman and Bob Knight, like grabbed him by the Jersey and was yelling at him. And my mom swore off. She said she would never go to another game again. She was, she was out on Bob Knight from that moment on. Um, wow. and so then I got to go with my dad. So. Lucky for you. <laughs> yeah, lucky for me. <laughs> uh, Ryan, did you have any attachment to Indiana before adulthood, really? Well, I, was, I grew up playing basketball, and so I knew about Indiana, and I knew about the players. I mean, I followed Calvert Chaney, who didn't nationally, yeah. you know, back then. But I didn't – you know, I had attachments to a lot of teams because San Diego doesn't – you know, San Diego State, especially back then, wasn't a great – college basketball team uh some people in this area liked ucla i never really did 
and then I went to USC out of high school for a year. So I definitely did not have a UCLA attachment, but I've always been somebody that when I'm attached to a school, I wind up becoming the biggest fan. I'm still a USC football fan and I was there for nine months, you know? (laughs) And then, so when I transferred to Indiana, um, they were really bad, but I went to every game and I was a fan and it was the sort of the tail end of the Mike Davis era. But when I was picking a school, they, it was in the middle of their run to the 2002 ah, final four. And mm. so I got to know all of those guys cause it was down to Indiana and a couple schools that didn't really have a ton of sports cause I was going for journalism and obviously Indiana has a great journalism communications program. Um, but the games I look back to and think, um, this is it. I, there's always, and we always talk about on the show, there was the game where they, uh, my senior year, I was the columnist for the Indiana daily student. They played Duke when oh, Duke yeah. was number one. Marco. Yeah. And it was the Marco game and that crowd 26 minutes. I have, <laughs> I have been to a lot of big sporting events being a, a, a sports writer and getting to being lucky and going to a lot of places. And I've been to a lot of places. I have never heard anything like that crowd. And I know it's happened at other IU games, but that was the one where I was sitting on the floor at the epicenter of everything and the entire time. And it's just like, you can't recreate this. You know, there's no, there's so few other places where this happens. And so obviously that bonds you to a place they lost. I know it's not that great a memory of a, I don't, I don't remember that. I, I don't, I, yeah. I, I think the game ended after <laughs> the dunk. The game ended after the dunk. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. yeah it was over. It was over. Everybody blacked totally. out and they went home. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but I will say my favorite IU game, if I ever look back at a game and I know these guys, cause I always bring up the Marco dunk. That was one, but my favorite IU game was later in the year. They played Purdue at home and my dad has always been whatever team I'm attached to. He just becomes the biggest fan in the world. And whether he knows about basketball or not, he was a football and baseball player, but he wants me to like tell him, okay, why did they do this? And he's very analytical. We're very close. And um, he had never been to an IU game. It was my senior year. And that year, we didn't know if I was going to get a press pass for the paper. And so I also bought student tickets. And it just so happened that year when they played Purdue, I got a floor seat student ticket that oh. I wasn't going to use. And so for Christmas, I gave my dad a new IU hat and inside it was a floor seat to the Purdue game. And he wow. went to the Purdue game. He flew out and went to the Purdue game and I sat with him and watched him watch the game. And he didn't know this, but my entire column for the paper the next day was about my dad and about wow. him going to the game awesome. and you know how awesome it was to finally give him something that I knew he wanted you know, cause he'd been such a good dad. And so when I think back of IU basketball and how it can bring people together and, and make people feel good, that's what I think of is getting to sit next to my pop at a game, you know, and, and know that he's enjoying himself and just yeah. loving it and, and seeing him in assembly hall for the first time with a packed crowd, just wide eyed, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's my favorite IU memory right now. I, I bet that's his favorite IU memory too. Yeah, my mom framed the paper and actually has it like in their entryway. So phenomenal, uh, awesome. Yeah. So, coach, coach, enlighten us, whippersnappers. You you remember some really great teams we do not. Is that is that where you're gonna go? What what is it for you? Well, I had a crush on Martha the Mop Lady when she started uh, <laughs> before the game started. I, you know, I was nine or ten kinky, and kinky. nine or ten, and I thought she was really cute. So uh, that's what got me to watch the games. No, uh, I was I nine. Know, and every ten. time you see a janitor, something starts stirring. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, but nine and ten, I, the was Quinn Buckner and and the two teams that we all you know um, refer back to as as the greatest basketball. 
uh, team in, in college history. I, I saw that as a 9- or 10-year-old. Don't have a whole lot of memories of that, but I did watch, and I remember Quinn dancing uh, when, when they won the championship. And then, you know, you had the 81 championship, and I was able. that was when I was a sophomore in high school. And then I went to IU, and as a sophomore at IU, uh, it was the 87 championship. And yeah. So that, that's that not was fair. Just, that's I not know. fair. I agree. Coach, <laughs> not cool, I got to tell you, man, not cool at all. It's like so, I'm so angry yeah. at you. Well, I, I understand, and it, <laughs> there's a lot to be angry because it was, it was uh, a good run from being about 10 to, to 20 there uh, of watching Indiana basketball. So that's how it got started, and then obviously being down there and running to the fountain, and uh, I told these guys on a show that I kissed more ladies that night in celebration than I did the whole rest of my life. Uh, (laughs) And it's hard to explain to people what it really was like. You know, there were 4,000 people in the fountain, but the people running the the, the cars um, honking their horns, it was just it was really something I would wish all people could, um, you know, witness at least once in their lifetime. But those were the series of things that have, have kept me going. Uh, with Indiana basketball, Coach, I think that's. I, I was. I was wondering if that then makes what has happened since even harder for you, because while the earliest memory for all of us is is Keith Smart's shot, you know, and there's a few years of greatness after that, but eh, really the majority of our our memory is struggling to get back to what what we'd heard about and just got a taste of. So is this extra painful for you this last 20, 25 years? In some ways, yes, because you know what it was, and it kind of fell apart there um, with the firing of Coach Knight and, and, and those years, but also not so much because I've already had it. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and if we ever get back to it, it would, it, I know what it's going to be like. And so uh, to, to not have that, I don't want to rub it into you guys, but <laughs> to, to not you, have that. You can just crack open a beer, sit yeah. And play the, the the highlight film in your mind because you were right. Um, but yeah, I can do that. And so when the, when the down times come, I still have those those memories, and and that I'm very fortunate to to have that. All right, let's do favorite player because Jared did. We know Jared's is Calbert, uh, and I love the Jay Edwards stuff because he. We've talked about it a lot on the podcast because of how he left, because it was in the shadow of '87. He does not get the acclaim that he deserves but the guys and when you look at his stats his three-point percentage shooting his freshman year is staggering i mean the guy the the and the clutch shots too exactly that that was the thing the buzzer beaters but uh, anybody else and 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 ward and jared share calbert as their all-time favorites uh andy favorite player oh definitely calbert for me too wow just right right in that sweet spot of like kind of where you are growing up and uh, I, I just remember like all hearing about that class coming in. And I think after the first game, I was like, I, I remember my mom will still bring this up sometimes of like, all right, well, I'm going to, this guy's my favorite player out of the, out of these new guys. And just something about him, the very first time that he played was uh, I, I don't know that I did as good a job um, picking out favorite players as the, as usually our fan clubs, you know, uh, Jared and I's irrational uh, love for Stan Robinson at various points. Yeah, so yeah. I got, I've gotten worse at spotting uh, the best players clearly but uh yeah with him he was he was the guy for me from game one always a good idea though if you're going to pick a favorite player to make sure that the guy knows what hand to shoot with i would just think that yeah. that is a good barrage. to lead to success yeah uh, by the way maybe that quick, was the allure with stan robinson because i believe yeah. initially he was a lefty so yes. maybe that was well, where i got apparently I got 
but apparently he was never a lefty. I made this mistake because yeah. I was making fun of it in one of our early podcasts, <laughs> yeah. and Colin Hartman actually told us, well, the reason that he was shooting left-handed was because his best friend in high school died and was a lefty. Yeah. So Stan just decided to be a lefty to honor his best friend who was a lefty. So he was a righty his whole life, then oh. just changed to be a lefty. I'm making fun of it. And then we find out it's for a dead friend in high school. Sound mm. like a total asshole. Um, but you know what's curious about the Calvert thing? Ward and I talk about this a lot. A few of the guys from those teams that we've had on have said, you know, they were all so highly ranked. Like everybody was a baller. And we forget like Lawrence Funderburk was in that class. I mean, these were, and Funderburk was probably the best, you mm. know, as far as the ranking. But they all came in as studs. And everyone said that we've talked to after one practice, they were like, oh, that dude is the best player on the court. Of mm -hmm. course, talking about Calvert. Like they knew immediately. Maybe the only one who wouldn't say that is Greg Graham, but that's because Greg has <laughs> Greg likes his own game a lot. But but everybody kind of saw that about Calvert immediately. So you saw, I think, what a lot of other people, his including his teammates, saw. Uh Ryan, favorite player. You know, I uh, nationally, you know, because I was viewing it from a national perspective, I loved Calvert's game. I loved whenever I got a chance to watch Calvert, but it was so rare. Um, since my time being a diehard, it's been Victor Oladipo. I've loved mm -hmm. his progression and watching yeah. him. I saw the high school film before he showed up, and I was kind of like, all right, he's an athlete. And watching him become, go from that to the best player in the country was so much fun to watch. Cody Zeller, you expected that from. You expected him to be the stud. Victor worked for it. And that was so rewarding as a fan to see the guy who worked his tail off become the best player in the country. And by the way, the most fun player to watch in the country as well. So it was, it wasn't just, he was good. He was also fun. Yeah. I remember the moment distinctly, he shook somebody at the wing and went in and slammed it. And I don't know if it was Eric was there or it was a conversation afterwards, but I think we were watching the game together Eric and I was just like, Vic's better than Cody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like it's like official now, and Cody's great. Yeah, and you have both um, of them at the same time. <laughs> you yeah, know? and 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 it's true. I can't remember uh, another player before since obviously who who made that kind of progression over three years, and then you know ends up going second in the draft and becoming an all all star back in the state of Indiana. It's really been unique and fun. It's How just rewarding. It's it's rewarding. It's rewarding to watch that. I mean, yeah, seeing Yogi that's, get that's better. That's why you're a fan of college yeah, basketball. Yeah, seeing yes. Yogi get better year to year till the to his fourth year. That was rewarding to watch those guys grow and and improve. Yeah, I, well, I, it was and, frustrating because of the injuries with OG, but we could all see it kind of coming in the, the potential. And then, man, how crazy did Hoosier Nation go a few nights ago when he buried that shot for the Raptors? And now you watch the game yesterday, and he's getting a lot more close-ups. And it's like, oh, here comes OG now. Here comes another one of our guys taking the stage nationally. It's really gratifying. For sure. You, real quick, before we hit coaches, I want to talk about Victor for a second, because Victor combines so much – of the things that Indiana fans like, like if you were just listing it on a piece of paper. So he's defense first, right? That's where he kind of made his mark first. He's an athlete. We love when we get an athletic, really athletic player at Indiana. He just poured emotion out onto the court. He had a huge personality. Like he raved about Indiana. He was a team first guy. He busted his butt when he wasn't ranked high. I mean, 
you just check off all the things besides growing up in a barn, like outside of Bedford or something, he had it all. (laughs) And so you combine all of that within the tremendous skill. It doesn't really happen. I mean, it really does. Calbert was good immediately. You You left out his greatest asset. He's, the voice. He's a wonderful. He's a wonderful vocalist. <laughs> <laughs> so I agree with you. I mean, the Victor story is a special one, and it's a classic Indiana story. Indiana it basketball story. Yeah. It really is. All right, Coach. You you've seen uh, up close and personal more players than we have. Yeah. Who who's your favorite? It, it's really hard, but it goes back to the early days. Quinn Buckner for me, and I think that was an early sign of, of me wanting to be a coach. I, I like the fundamental floor leadership, solid defense. I wish he shot better back then, but they really didn't need it uh, to, to only lose one game in two years. But uh, Quinn Buckner is, is my favorite among many uh, favorites, obviously, when you watch as much Indiana basketball as, as I have. And when I was an early coach, I would work Bob Knight's basketball camp and we would go out until two or three in the morning and get up at seven and coach basketball. And we did that for three nights. And on the fourth night, I, I called it quits at about 11 only to miss Quinn Buckner buying rounds for a couple of hours um, in Bloomington. The guys uh, woke me up when they came back at three in the morning and say, yeah, Quinn bought us uh, all drinks. Uh, and so I missed my favorite player. Real um, friends would have come and grabbed you out of bed. Yeah. 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 That's true. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I, I like Quinn, uh, and he's stuck around too, and 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 he's a big part of of the university and uh, and been in Bloomington. I just, to me, as an older dude, that's that's my guy. But uh, it's so hard to not pick a Calbert and you know Alford and, and and guys that have just brought really good basketball to Indiana. There's so many you can pick from. It's funny so, though, Coach, because just real quickly on the Quinn thing, because like Calbert, who everybody said he's the guy. I mean, clearly Scott May and Kent Benson, as far as a you know talent level, were above everybody else on that team. I mean, they just were. I mean, you know, what, what did Scott May go number two in the draft, and Kent Benson went number one in the draft? You know, so. But you talk to any of those guys, including Kent. We haven't had a chance to talk to Scott May, but we talked to Steve Green and you know Laz and Abernathy, and they Aber. all say, "Yeah, it was Quinn's team." I mean, like Quinn is the engine. Without Quinn was the quarterback. Without him, none of it really works. And Wilkerson was an incredible player and a defensive whiz. But it really, again, goes back to that leadership, you know, and that that kind of intangible thing that Indiana fans grab onto, I think, more than most. I mean, my favorite player was Greg Graham, uh, and in part because of what he did on the defensive side. I mean, I just loved the defensive intensity and felt like he could guard anyone. Um, but 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 uh, the Quinn story is a special one as well. Go ahead, Ward. Well, what I thought might actually be fun is, you know, we're all planning on there being a season at some point. What player are you all most excited about to see out on the court this season, you know, because of how you think they're going to develop or, or you know, just you, you've already claimed them as your favorite for the current roster. I'm, I'm curious what you're all looking at for, uh, for who's going to be your guy this year. Uh, let's go. Let's start with Coach since he wrapped it up last time. Yeah, I'm a big Rob Finnessy fan. I think Trace will be there and be the the main gun. Uh, and you have a Christian Lander who's going to be really exciting to watch. But a healthy Rob Finnessy again because when he's on, he's guarding. Uh, and when he's on, then he can do some things offensively as well. But you know, uh, we beat Michigan State three times because of of his defense. Um, 
in, in those games. And he's just had a, a, a tough uh, run. Uh, I coached a game against him when he was a senior. I was an assistant. Uh, he, he really stuck it to us. So I, I kind of root for those guys that I've had the ability to scout and, and coach against. But I, I think he is the guy for me with all the other talent around it, that if he is at his potential, uh, in, this Indiana club will be its best. And so that's what I'm excited to see. Eric, did I tell you my high school coach uh, at West Lafayette, who obviously, you know, in the same area as Coach Tonsoni and Rob Finnessy played at McCutcheon, he said when Rob was coming out, I emailed him to ask him about him. He said Rob's the best player to come out of the area in 25 years. So, really? Did you feel, did yeah, you feel insulted, was... Jared? <laughs> <laughs> come on, Coach. <laughs> no. Well, what he also yeah. meant, he also meant including anybody who played at Purdue. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, oh, yeah of course. <laughs> wow. Uh, that's something. Look, I, the, the Rob Finnessy story is a weird one for me. I, I love Rob. I've loved him when he's at his top. And I've seen the opposite, you know, and I know there's been some injuries. We've also heard that some of it is just in that, you know, important piece of real estate between the years, which is the thing that worries me the most, because I think that's the hardest thing to to overcome. But um, look, like, yeah, I, I, I look, I want Rob to do it because when Rob was shutting down Cassius Winston, there was nothing better. I mean, that was just, I just will always remember that last play too, where he was just on him and Cassius Winston is one of the best players in the country and he could not shake Rob the entire game. It was awesome. So I think yeah. you're right. He's a huge, the problem with the Indiana team is there's just so many guys you could go, you know who the wild card is? If he does X, it's, it's not like we know we're going to get X. It's if he does X. You know, there's no. very few guys where it's like we know you're going to get boom. So what about you, Jared? Who's your favorite on this upcoming team? You know, the more that I've looked at it, I mean, there, you know, like Coach said, there's so many guys like Jerome Hunter I'm excited about and Race I'm excited about. Like I, I kind of put it, and this is this was you know the discussion on last week's episode of the assembly call. Like, who's the second most indispensable player? You know, because Trace is obviously the most. But it's like, okay, if you could then guarantee that another guy was going to be available for every game, who do you think helps Indiana the most? And I couldn't talk myself out of Al Durham um, for a couple of reasons, wow. um, which I know, which kind of surprised me. And it happened when I saw him on the cover of the Lindy's magazine. I was like, wow, they chose Al. And then I'm thinking about it. You know, he's the best shooter on a team that has struggled with shooting, and he's really improved his outside shooting. He's remains underrated as a guy getting to the basket. You know, was second in the conference in free throw rate last year. That really came back after, you know, he, he didn't do that when Romeo was around because Romeo was the guy driving all the time. And so if you're going to set up an offense to succeed with Trace, you need guys spacing the floor. And Al is the one reliable shooter that we know that we have and the guy that can get to the basket. Now, he struggles defensively, but he is the only guy with three years in the defensive system, you know, in the pack line. And so you combine that with, I just think, his growing confidence from the end of last year where he was really the guy to step up and kind of take big shots and Archie was actually running plays for him. And, you know, you look at all that, and, yeah, there's a lot of wild cards around, and that's why I think Al – actually becoming a game-in, game-out, 12, 13, 14-point score that you can count on, which he hasn't been. You know, he's been a guy who's been up and down. That just seems so important to me for kind of letting, you know, going through Christian Landers' ups and downs and going through Jerome Hunter's ups and downs. Like, if we can count on Al to be that guy, I think it'd be huge. And I think he's the one guy that's really, you know, he's kind of put in three years and kind of shown what he can do and really came on strong at the end of last year. So, and if he grows again and can shoot 40% from three, you know, he was 38% last year, 
I just think what he brings offensively is really going to make life easier on Trace. And what? obviously Trace is, you know, the most important cog. So those two guys together, then you kind of fill in around. Because I just don't think we have anybody offensively that can actually replace what Al gives us. And if he's out, now the spacing's not going to be as good. You don't have a guy that can shoot and get to the basket, you know, depending on what we see from a guy like, uh, you know, from a guy like Lander. But you know, that known quantity on a team with so many X factors really just seems more and more valuable to me the more I think about it. And with Lander and Rob then being the primarily primary ball handlers, right? Like that, yeah. that's going to be a lot less on out. He can yes. be moving without the ball. Yeah, go shoot be, and come off screens. Yeah, it's go like that, that can really help yeah. unlock him to go to the next next level. Wait, but, <laughs> but, but, but Warren, yeah, just – just don't dribble. Um, yeah, or that's, tell, that's but you got I think we might have told it before. I don't know if you guys have heard it. Tell our Al Durham story, though, from oh, Kirkwood. Man. Yeah, so Eric um, Eric just rarely embarrasses me in public. It's just, <laughs> you know, if we're in Bloomington, it's not more than six or seven times in a given day will I be like, oh, Jesus, Eric. But none none was was more obvious to anybody on Kirkwood Avenue or at the sample gates is when we were like shooting a Twitter video at sample gates and then kind of like somewhere where La Bamba's used to be back in our day. I see a guy walk in and I'm like, that's gotta be Al Durham. And I thought it'd be a good idea to tell Eric. I was like, Hey, look, look way down there walking away from us is Al Durham. He goes, is that Al? I was like, I mean, I'm pretty sure that's Al. He's like, we got to go talk to him. And I was like, do we? But Eric was already gone. He was like running down the middle of Kirkwood. And I was like looking at Eric's, you know, girlfriend. I was like, oh, I guess I have to go with him. All right. So, you know, Al's getting in his Jeep, which uh, we'll, we'll reveal later what the deal with the Jeep. That's the best location. part of the story. Yeah, we'll save that. And so as Al's ready to go away, I'm on the sidewalk. I'm staying back. I don't want to frighten him. But Eric's not worried about that. Eric gets up into his, his window and is like, Al, Al, it's Eric. It's Eric, from, you, you know, from the Hoosier Hysterics. We, 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 do, we, we do, do a podcast, the Hoosier Hysterics. And Al could not be like a more chill guy. He's like, yeah, 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 I know who you are. Yeah, yeah I know who you are. Was this after the camp or before the camp? After the camp, yeah. Because okay. I did think, because, you know, in my head also, my delusional head, I'm friends with all of them. <laughs> I was at the They're all my friend. We're BFFs. Everybody on the team. Everybody. So, so Alice is very courteous and patient. And did we do a? We did a video. Yeah, with we him, did a right? video. We never released it though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so you know, Eric's doing this and getting Al in there, and I was like, "Yeah, we're going to win the game for sure today. Don't worry about it." Yeah. Guess like, what? Oh, that's we didn't. <laughs> we're like, all right, Purdue game. We're like, all right, man, thanks, Alf. Thanks for the time. Go get him today. Awesome, man. You're a great dude. Good looking out. He drives away, and what we realize is that the whole time he'd been parked in a handicapped parking <laughs> only spot. And he just wanted to get out of there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it could not. And it wasn't one of those that you could even understand, like, making the mistake. It was totally blue. And his Jeep <laughs> yeah. is taking up every inch of the blue. I mean, it was ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Oh, man. All right, so, Ryan, your favorite. <laughs> um, I'm really looking forward to seeing Jerome Hunter healthy and after a full offseason. I mean, this guy, people forget, was a top 60 recruit. He was thought to be, all right, Romeo's going to be here one year, and then Jerome's going to take his spot the next year, you know, as the primary 
guy and you watch him as a high school player, how confident he was and what a great shooter he was and his ability to, to handle the ball and move around the court and, and hit shots. And, you know, he's been sidetracked and, and you saw some flashes last year, of what he can do, but I really want to see if he can blossom. I'm really looking forward to that. I mean, I, I have a deep abiding love for Ray Thompson, but I, I got to pick Jerome because we haven't seen Jerome as fully Jerome yet. And, and I think that's the guy I'm most excited to see. Uh, I agree. I'm just, I'm just really worried if he's going to be able to recover from the tonsil surgery. <laughs> I mean, we, look, look, we, we love them. They're kids. You know, these guys are kids. We, we all remember what we were like from 18 to 22. We were all stupid. Ward and I are still stupid. And so part of it, I get. But when he sent out that tweet, knowing his history, I know that he sends out a tweet with a picture of him in a, in like surgical, like pre-surgery. And I think said something like pray for me. Right. <laughs> yeah. I Everyone mean, had the same reaction. What in the blue hell is everyone's he heart sank like at the same time, you know, it, it is classically boneheaded. I mean, it yeah. is just, and then it didn't take long. It's so funny too. This is what I love too. Indiana is the worst at telling us as fans or media what's going on with injuries. They are the worst, yes. like by far the worst. They, and by the way, they hide behind HIPAA. That's BS. Yeah. It goes beyond that. They're just bad at it. And in this case, they quickly put out a statement. Oh, no, it's just tonsil surgery. Like, <laughs> that's how you know that HIPAA has nothing to do with Indiana's stance with like, within like – Five minutes. They were. They had an official statement about his tonsil surgery. The fan base completely melted down, and as soon yeah. as the meltdown was at its highest peak, they're just like, "Oh, by the way, it's just tonsil." Totally. Like, forget yeah. HIPAA. He's on laughing gas and can't even speak, and they're revealing what his medical condition was. I love that. All right, Andy, your favorite. Um, you know, my answer to the question that Jared brought up on the show ended up being Lander because I think he's the guy that really has the ability, if if he translates well and quickly, to to really take the team to another level. But I would personally say Al. I mean, when we talk about some of the guys that, uh, you know, growing up with and watching guys progress with the program and really developing an attachment to, like he's that he's that guy came in under odd circumstances with not being recruited by Archie and just kind of building himself up through. Uh, you know, through his, his time and steadily improving. There were so many questions about his shot coming in and where he's been able to get to. So those are the kinds of stories that make you like college basketball and like IU. So from a personal perspective, uh, it'll be Al for me just to kind of, you know, just hoping that he has what is certainly not going to be a normal senior year, um, but, uh, but, but at least to be able to see him and, and, you know, the culmination of his hard work, hopefully actually getting to play in the NCAA tournament and not just people projecting that they would have been in last year and, uh, and things like that. So that from a personal standpoint is, is mine. Ward, this this who's yours? has been such, well, I was just going to say this, this part has been so fun for me because I feel like we're, we're in the assembly call podcast yeah, right now. Yeah, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. like right in the wheelhouse. I'm like, this is the thing I've been yeah. listening to for years and now we're here. Uh, so thank you all for indulging us in that. And for me, um, I think I would have said it uh, not just because nobody else did, but because every time he's been on the court, I think he's made the team better is race. Mm -hmm. And I, I think if it's something traces out there and we all know sort of why Joey has played such a prominent role last year uh, specifically, but it's going, I think it's just going to be such a huge piece of the puzzle of the idea of 
going a little bit, you know, more four and one as far as if race can even be a, a threat that that at least pulls a guy halfway out to keep it open down there for Trace down low or for Trace and Christian potentially to do pick and rolls and do that whole thing. Wait, why are Jared and Eric <laughs> looking like somebody farted? Like, I feel like because, they're texting. We had an intense Twitter debate about this about two not weeks Twitter, ago. Not Twitter. Or not no, Twitter. not Twitter. Text Twitter. message. Text, text message. We had a text message debate where Jared was saying some of the same things you were are about <laughs> race. Smart? And smart I, guy, smart and guy my, <laughs> well, yes, my argument against it is the idea that race Thompson, who I think has made six three pointers, his entire IU career, which I know has been stunted and, and injuries have presented it, prevented it. But the idea that defenses and def- and coaches are going to change their strategy and guard race Thompson at the three point line m- to me, is foolhardy. I think Race would have to take so many shots early in the season and make so many shots to convince any good Big Ten coach it's worth guarding him out there. And I just don't think he'll ever shoot that many. I, I just don't well, think. And if he I'm, makes I'm one saying, every two games, the coaches won't adapt at all. No, They'll just be like, I, I, I think there's almost no doubt that he's going to draw a defender further away from the basket as the four than than anybody did last no, season. I, I think don't agree with that. No, I don't agree with that. Yeah, I I, I, right. I don't agree with you. But why? I don't agree with you. See, but this is how this is right. how the text messages went, <laughs> but wait, and then we just why? like got silent for a while oh, at the no, end of it. I'm just gonna sit back and enjoy up this. this. You guys keep going. time with these guys. Right, that's fair. That's fair. All right. So who is your, so yours is race? Yes. Yours is race. All right. Yes. Mine. I I want to agree. What did you say? Wrong. <laughs> I, want, I want to agree with Andy because I do think like in the end dudes are dudes and we need dudes and Lander's a five-star dude who is the best point guard in the country ranked in the 21 class he's got to be a dude and if he's not a dude we're not gonna be very good like I, I just he's the only other guy who can be a dude maybe Jerome but we just don't know because of the injuries and how much that set him back but but that's not what I'm gonna tonsils. say the, the yeah, tonsils. The tonsils. but I'm gonna say this when I worked at WWE, Vince McMahon had one of what he had pearls of wisdom. And most of <laughs> this wisdom was not wisdom. I mean, it was just insanity. Shocking but, to hear. Yeah. But one of the things I loved, <laughs> we'd sit in a meeting and Vince, um, Vince would talk about like some new talent because you'd have a sheet with the roster, like who was available to you that week. And every once in a while, we would bring new people up, right? But sometimes you knew you were bringing new people up not to be a star. They just didn't have that. You just were bringing them up to refresh the roster a little bit. And so, some, so sometimes Vince would go, you know, let's put Wrestler X in there. Have them win tonight. And somebody would go, but Vince, why? Like, why is anybody going to care about this person? It doesn't, like, they have no more talent. They're not charismatic. And Vince would go, Guys, new shit is better than old shit. (laughs) And so for that reason, I'm going to say the triumvirate of Trey, Anthony, and Jordan, I'm just most excited about seeing because I feel like I know what our team is largely, except for Lander, and and he's part of it. I just want to see the new stuff. I love seeing the new stuff. 
I, look, I'm an idiot. Unwrapping new presents, right? Yes, exactly. I love the Cliff Marshall body transformation of Anthony Leal uh, that went out. Like, I want to see how tough Trey Galloway is. You know, I want to see if Jordan can jump out of the gym. Like, do we see some Victor Oladipo or OG-like athleticism? I'm just really excited to see that. Like you said, it's opening gifts. So that's where I come out. One thing I think is, I don't know if we'll release the video version of this, but I think it's important for listeners to know that if you had any doubt which set of podcasters were professionals and which were not, I'm just looking at the microphones of these gentlemen <laughs> and they, they're, they're big and they have like an extra like thing on top and they have arms and shock mounts. And Eric and I bought ours at Best Buy for a hundred bucks with tax. It's it's there's really a very clear line here, whether you can see it or not. I'm sure you can hear the difference. Well, guys, we're heading into our tenth season. We've worked out a lot of the gas. Yeah, it's taken true. some time. So Ryan, I guarantee you, if we are lucky enough to make it to our tenth season, this bad boy's still gonna be on the game plan. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, I want to go the other way. And I know you guys are very positive mostly. I mean, you start every show with the banner moment, which is, you know, your guys' attempt at starting positive, which is right up Ward's alley and the antithesis of everything I believe in. But I do appreciate <laughs> it. But I am gonna ask you to dip into your evil side for a second every one of us has a player that has driven us nuts the player that drives us the most nuts in the history of watching indiana who is that player for you coach i'm going back to you you've seen a lot which player drove you the most insane oh man that's hard for me to do but i think he just graduated Uh, (laughs) okay all right so um Fair enough. There's still two good options. There's still two I, good I, options to yeah, choose from. Yeah, I would say De- De- Devontae probably was one. I, I think a couple other guys, Verdell Jones and Troy Williams, but I they after they left, I gained an appreciation for what they were doing. I, you get caught up as a fan in uh, good Troy, bad Troy, and, and, and Verdell sometimes with the shot selection. But when you think back to what Verdell did, man, I was wrong in the time period, and I was wrong with Troy. I'm not sure I'm going to be wrong with Devontae. And, and I cheer for all the guys with Indiana. I, I just think that he had a hard time coming in as a Korean recruit and then playing for Archie, finding his niche. And, and that doesn't speak, you know, he's a, he's a good guy, but it, it, I just think it was a weird fit. And I think we saw that on the court. Um, and for me, that was tough to watch. I, I also think it goes back to the Oladipo conversation because Devontae was there for four years. And we did not see the progression that you want to see after four years like that. And you know how much talent he has, right? Like with Verdell, I feel like Verdell maxed out his talent. I mean, I, and, and like you said, I mean, that was a, I mean, holy hell, that was a tough time, you know, except for his fourth year. And then the heartbreak of getting injured in the big 10 tournament, not being able to play in the NCAA tournament is brutal. But with Devante, I mean, no one on the team last year, with the exception of Trace, had more talent than Devontae Green. And just not seeing the progression in the things we wanted to, cut down the turnovers, make better decisions consistently, you know, that it just didn't happen for him. So that was, that was frustrating. I, I think it was frustrating for everybody. Uh, Jared? Yeah. Um, the, you know, the names Coach Mitch, I think the first two that came to mind were Devontae and Troy. Um, but, <laughs> the you know, but the more I, th- I think about it, I think actually the guy, and it goes back to late 90s, is Andre Patterson, actually. Mm. Um, who, 
like when I look back on it and you know, like we did a rewatch of uh, you know, one of his last games against Oklahoma in the NCAA tournament and he was awesome. You know, and you remember the game against Duke when he was just otherworldly. I mean, it's it's literally one of the best performances an IU player has ever had. He was just he was phenomenal. And he he just had so much talent and it was just there was an inconsistency there. And so you know, it, it depends because he ended up having a good career. Like he was a good player, you know, so it but it just it drove you crazy coming on the heels of so many all time great Hoosiers. And you looked at Andre Patterson with the size and the athleticism and the ability to shoot and some of the skills. And it was like he could be a guy like that, but it just never quite materialized, you know, so it he he was probably the guy for me whether it was fair or not and a lot of times it is unfair because we put such high expectations on these guys based on their recruiting rankings and seeing their best performances and then we think why can't you do this every time and they probably want to say oh are you at your best every day sir with the microphone and it's like oh well yeah that's probably a good point you know and so <laughs> you see that especially for a for a college kid but he was the one for me that just i remember viscerally in the moment it it frustrated me to not see that greatness like every single game Andy? Yeah, it's hard not to get caught up in the recency bias of, of Devontae, uh, right, <laughs> right or wrong. Um, you know, he was the first name that came to mind for me, too, but I, I think that's a little bit of uh, recency bias for sure. Uh, the Andre Patterson one is, is, is very interesting uh, as you think about that. And, and his career was ending while I was in school. And, um, I, I, yeah, I think it's one of those where you, you look at some of these guys, and I know you were kind of alluding to, to Justin Smith, uh, earlier in the same way you look at some of the athleticism and then you're just trying to figure out like you just don't know what makes these guys tick and it might not be th the same things that we would expect or want or whatever else and, and for whatever reason you'd see Andre Patterson have those flashes and I had I'd forgotten about that Oklahoma game until um, we rewatched it and that was one that I watched and I, I watched it a couple times just to you know remind myself what it was like he was fantastic in that game and mm -hmm. and you see other guys come in you know he he's sharing time there with AJ Guyton who came in with far less recruiting acclaim and again, like from the jump was, was a really effective player. And so then I think you then get yourself into the like, well, why isn't this guy doing this? He was so much more highly thought of and why, why wouldn't he, you know, look at this guy who's getting the absolute maximum out of whatever he's got. Um, and I think you just don't know everything that's going on. I think it was, I think when you guys talked to Charlie Miller, I think he talked about some of the stuff with, with Andre that people just didn't see didn't, know about whatever and so you, you definitely in in hindsight when you're in college you don't think of that stuff but in in hindsight you look back and be like yeah man these guys had so much more going on think about the stuff that you did in college when you had far less on your plate than uh what these guys do so but he Andre Patterson I think is an interesting one just from a recruiting ranking standpoint but it, for me it probably is Devante and like I said that's probably recency but you saw how sure. he would you know the highs were so high and the lows were so low <laughs> That it was, and, and you just, it goes back a little bit to what you said this year. I mean, this team is is light on guys you know what you're going to get out of them every night and heavy on question marks. And and you wanted him to at some point shift from the question mark side of the ledger into the, can I at least get a reasonable idea of what I'm going to get out of this guy? And he just never did. No. Um, so. And it's what you think you're going to get out of his four-year senior. I mean, any four-year mm. senior, you at least think – all right, well, if he's six points and three rebounds a game, I know that's what I'm going to get. Like, usually it's a pretty good sample size after three years, and you, you do move from question mark to check mark, you know. And like you said, there's a lot of uh, question marks still. Yep. 
right? Uh, my, right? Your, yeah, yeah my, my pick. My pick was Bracy Wright. I was in school Ooh, with Bracy. Oh, that's a good there. one too. And Bracy was, you know, I, I just felt like he never got better as a friend. And and you put up his numbers, but you felt like he was doing it outside the team concept and kind of super supremely talented guy that could have been a lottery pick. And you just felt like as his career went on, things got worse and worse and worse. And it was really disappointing to see that firsthand because you're like, this guy has, he could be as good as he wants to be, you know? And it felt like as a freshman, he hit these extreme highs. And then after that, it just kind of chugged along. And then he left early and the team got better after he left. And, and it was, you know, kind of sad to see that because anytime a talented kid doesn't live up to his potential, it's, it's kind of sad. That's a good one, man. Yeah. Well, I think I let's, think one of the things I think one of the things just to, just to go back to that it, it's interesting listening to, about him and Verdell and one of the things that I remember I first started listening to Galen and Scott on Crimson Cast in some of the early early Verdell years and and I think it was Galen was pretty this is a more reasoned viewpoint so I'm going to assume that it was I'm going to assume that it was Galen and not Scott <laughs> but he <laughs> but he said you know he he basically said you know like can we really get mad at Verdell Jones when he's being asked to do things he's really not capable of doing right. And, yeah. and so much of this is the role they're put in. And I think Gracie yeah. Wright is almost the opposite. Like he was just given free reign. Do whatever you want. To do yeah. whatever he wanted. And then it's like, ever, rightfully so, was a frustrating guy to watch because he was really talented. But it's like, you know, I'm sure he, he had something to do with you know, it, the role that he ended up having on the team. But it was like, you just gave this dude the keys. And it's like, well, if you were an 18, 19-year-old kid who was highly regarded in basketball, would you really be doing anything different than what he's doing right now? Like he's being quote unquote enabled to do that stuff. So I think that's what's a, a lot of this stuff is going back and figuring out like what, what hand were these guys dealt based on the team they were in, the role they were put in and how well did it really fit with their skills at their point in their development process. And some of that leads to guys being frustrating that maybe shouldn't have been and guys being frustrating who maybe in a, a different role or with a little bit more restriction on them might have been able to grow the way you'd envision them to over the course of time. Ward, you could also you could also look at the whole roster during the Samson era, other than Gordon, and, and find a bunch of guys. DJ, that, DJ that did well. DJ did well, but most of those guys on that roster were not the kind of guys that we've talked about. You know, um, that do things that we like. You know, that Indiana way. That that was a that was an era of a change uh, that didn't last long enough. And and uh, regardless of our feelings for Crean, there were some guys like Zeller and Aladipo under his watch that kind of brought that Indiana player back. Um, so that was a time period too. That was a little frustrating uh, to watch That's for true. a lot of reasons. Ward, who's yours? Well, you know, for me, all these, several of these names flashed through my mind, but you know, to take it in a, a slightly different direction, I think, well, one, there's kind of the old idea of, of what I wanted a player to be before he even showed up. And like, based on watching him, in a summer all-star game before he showed up is Charlie Miller is just wanting the next Calvert Chaney to basically show up right after Calvert Chaney left. Um, but, but the single most disappointing thing an IU player did for me personally, that I just felt crushed and upset and mad at him, which I was finally able to let go when we, we got to have him on the show was Kirk Haston because I was so felt like if he had stayed for his senior year, that was, that was a final four team. That was potentially a six banner team. And that, you know, especially at that age, cause you know, I was like a year or two older than him 
you you just don't think about how important having money for your family's well-being is and you're just like no we need to win a championship what are you doing and i saw him like at at like at the printers kind of after the decision was made like copy max or something there and i was just like i didn't say anything but i was like how could you do this to us right how could you you do this. To How us. dare you choose generational wealth over Indiana basketball? What's wrong? No, no, with no, you? no. You're, God, first, you're, you're, you're making it too big. How dare you choose generational wealth over Ward Roberts' happiness? <laughs> That's happiness. what it came down to. <laughs> How about you, Eric? Uh, it's Luke Recker. Luke Recker. I, uh, That's a good call. It still bothers me. It still does. And I know the guy went through some tragedy and I don't give a damn. It still pisses me <laughs> off. It does. It still angers me because that was a guy I felt like he was from Indiana. There was, there's, you, you knew what Bob Knight was. Like you heard stories. There were plenty of people to talk to and you were there for a couple of years and you played all the time and you got to shoot all the time. Like there was nothing, there was nothing that happened to Luke Recker's game that prevented him from being Luke Recker. It's not like he went to Iowa and became some huge star that he wasn't going to be at Indiana. He would have been a much bigger star at Indiana with the same stats that he had at Iowa. His stats were good at Indiana. He shot plenty. And I felt like coach, I mean, again, I didn't know anything and still don't know anything, but it felt like coach had his back. I don't know. It felt like you're getting the star treatment at Indiana under coach Knight. Like that's what that looks like. And Look, all that stuff that happened around then, as we know, Neil Reed, Jason Collier, Luke Recker, but I really thought Luke was the linchpin. And had he stayed, we would have been a Big Ten championship team with him and Guyton in the backcourt. You still had Michael Lewis. Like, those were some really good – they would have had some real talent. And when the exodus of talent happened that, that really culminated with him, it just crushed me. I mean, it crushed me. And then when he went to Iowa – and beat us with that buzzer beater in the Big Ten tournament. I, I, I mean, I there, there's still a hole in the apartment wall, I'm sure, from where <laughs> I, I threw a jug of trail mix. And that thing, it didn't just go through one layer of drywall. It went through. I mean, that thing <laughs> went through. So, what, Luke Recker. Did you, did you happen to pen the um, F. Luke Recker sheet that was uh, down the street from where I lived during that time when he left? Is that your – Maybe we get a, a, a handwriting specialist in to determine whether that was your spray painting technique oh, or not. No, I, I, I fear now that it might have been. You don't have to go that far. I would have admitted it and been proud of it. <laughs> I would like to for our next podcast guest to be whoever did pen that. So, um, no, but Luke Recker is the one that hurt the most for me. I, I wanted to take this in a direction in where we can all love to, to hate people instead of it bringing up like bad memories and bad <laughs> feelings and disappointment. For everybody, who was the player on the team at the school you hated the most? At any point in your fanhood, when this team would come to town or we'd go over there, who was the guy that just you wanted to a see? A visiting team? A, you're talking about or, on a visiting or, or team? A, a rival team. A, a, yes. a rival team. Um, okay, yeah. Yes. Who okay. Is, who's the player that sticks in your craw like no other in your Indiana fanhood? Let's go with Coach. You've been sitting there a while. Oh, man. I, I'm trying to think. I'm running through every Purdue roster yes. there's been <laughs> in my lifetime. And, and I have hundreds of names of some people that were athletes that tried to play basketball in the Big Ten. Rowinski, he was a turd. You know, uh, 
Let's just go right down, right down the list. I love Glenn it. Robinson. Like him yeah. either. Glenn Robinson. Um, fill in the blank. I'm, anyone that wore Purdue. I'm with you, man. That's a good yeah. answer. That's a good answer. Ryan. Who else has one jumping to mind? Oh, Ethan Happ's constant traveling bothered the hell out of me <laughs> yeah. on the postgame shows. That guy shuffled his feet more times than Fred Astaire. It was just, every time he <laughs> caught the ball. It's a, why aren't they calling a travel every single time? It's so bad that they actually have a uh, cameo from him talking about how he never traveled. Oh, they, really? Uh, they oh, plan on our show now. Yeah. That's and, good. Uh, but, yeah, that was the one. That's the most recent one I could think of. I mean, there's every year it seems like there's another one, and as soon as they're gone, you just forget about them. But it was – yeah, he was, he was bad, man. I, 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 it, I drove me nuts. And, you know, throwing the fact that we couldn't beat Wisconsin, too, yeah, you know, right. it just makes it worse. But he's the one that – it would enrage me. Although it's, play. it's funny because I agree with you. And in recent times, he's got to be one or two on the list. But he's also, I think, the reason that people like Ward love Race Thompson so much. Because he had that one game and one half where he played so well against him, and then everybody made him an All-American after that. What are you talking about? Ray, what's races plus minus? He's, oh, God. Races, go. The team's better every time race is on the floor. That's just facts. Anyway, moving on. It's true. Who's, who's it's got true. another one? Who's it's got true. another one? Thank you. Yeah. Thank is you. it true? Thank, is that thank true? you, experts. Thank is, you, experts. Is that the experts? Is that true? His plus minus is, like, appreciably better than most of the other players on the team? Is that true? Well, I don't know. Point, and last year plus minus was. is kind of a flawed stat anyway. Yeah. Yeah, Ward. But, See, but we are better. But, imp- I mean, just like, wouldn't we all agree that we've been better most of the time when race has been on the court? Yes. That's not a controversial yes. statement, is Later, it? No. Especially, down the stretch, especially down the stretch last year. Yeah. You can argue yeah, the three-point thing. Reasonable minds can disagree, maybe. but No, I agree with you. We are, we are better with race. race. Yeah, I agree. I would right. say... So there's a couple different types of players that I don't like. Like the players that I really can't stand are the guys who cross over from playing hard to playing dirty. So like Woodbury from Iowa, Davison at Wisconsin right now. Like those guys I just can't stand. You know, like you know, like take Brian Cardinal from Purdue, right? Yes. Like like none of us we didn't like him, but I didn't I never really thought he was a dirty player though. Oh yeah, you're probably right. I, I mean he would like he would like he was annoying. And you were just stunned he could stuff. actually do anything on the floor. Which yeah, more but like that, that's what makes it worse. Yeah, yeah but at the end of the day, him, like, like that guy can't play basketball. Like, no, but when you but when you remove the Purdue from the uniform and you kind of extract it and look at it like 15 years later, it's like okay, if that guy was on our team, we would like him. We would have liked Brian Cardinal. If yeah. Davison was on my team, I would not like him. Like I, hmm. I don't do that stuff. I don't care if you're on my team or not. Like that kind of stuff. There's no reason for it. But for some reason, when I was younger, I always just had an irrational hatred for Jamie Skelton from Ohio State. <laughs> for whatever reason, it always seemed like that guy would have great shooting games against us, like come off the bench and hit like four threes, you know. And so that that was that's one name that I've always remembered uh, is Jamie Skelton. The Fab Five for Michigan, Jalen oh, Rose, yeah. Chris yeah. Webber. I didn't like them at the do, time either. Do you know what, though? What's interesting about this? I hated them at the time because on the surface, it seemed like they stood for everything we didn't stand for, right? They were the opposite. And I held that with me until Ward and I have done the podcast because we've talked to several people from that early 90s teams who told us that Coach Knight loved them. Yeah. 
Like Coach Knight would rave about that team. He said they played basketball the right way. They weren't selfish. They shared the ball with each other. They moved the ball. They were fundamentally sound. Like they had flash on the exterior, but they played good basketball. And we heard that from like Calber, uh, Nover. Like Knight would literally talk about how much he liked that team. And when I heard that, I was like, oh, yeah, me too. Me too. I'm, I'm into that. <laughs> yeah. I just I never, never had beef that. with them because we beat them three out of four times. <laughs> right. I, right. I was well, like, great. Build up their legend all that more. That makes our teams from that era even mm-hmm. better. Yeah, it's funny. Cool. You go back and watch video of that team, and they were all of those things. Yeah. And you don't remember that. You remember them being high-flying, and yes. you remember the sagged shorts that nobody wore at, the, wore at the time, and their shirts would be untucked and all that. Once they got running, they shared the ball. Like, they all wanted each other to be involved. It wasn't just two guys and then a couple other guys. You know, it was – they had – and they also played with joy. They were fun. Yes. They were so much yep. fun. Were, you felt UNLV was running because Tarkanian had a whip behind them. You felt like Michigan was running because they were enjoying it. And it really is a lot of fun to watch them. Yeah, they Can we like go back? Was, yeah. Can we go back on an announcer that used to play in the Big Ten? Yeah. Steven Bardo. Oh, yes. I hate him more now. Exactly. That's my point. I didn't really know who he was too much back then, but now if I could go back and watch, I might just go back and watch a replay and boo him from my seat right here. I'm with you on that one. That's a great call, Coach. Andy. Andy, who you got? Uh, Of guys that have not been mentioned, Chris Kramer of Purdue was one for sure. Um, And then the other one – well, Jared, I was trying to think of those Ohio State teams because those were always ones that I really oh. did not enjoy. Skelton's name came up, but I always hated Jimmy Jackson because I'm pretty yes. sure that he won Big Ten Freshman of the Year instead of Calvert Chain. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I held it against him the entire time to a point, and I'm sure Jared's thinking the same thing that we are. So this was, what, two, year, two <laughs> yeah. years ago? It was, the, it, was, it was not last year, I don't believe. So two years no, ago. No, it was the Michigan State game. Yeah, so two years ago, we are going to the Michigan State game. Jimmy Jackson is in town to call the game for, for Fox or whatever. And it just so happens that at the time we are walking into Assembly Hall, Jimmy Jackson's getting out of a, a car, getting ready to go in. And Jared goes, I got to go talk to him. So he comes up to him and he goes, <laughs> he goes, I just want you to know that I could not stand you when you played at Ohio State. I actually said hate. I think I actually uh, said Did you hate. say hate? All right, yeah, you may have. But then it was, I mean, and then otherwise it was, it was a, it was a fairly cordial conversation at that point, just like those teams and whatever else. But yeah, I just always held that against him that he won that award over, over Cheney and never, never liked him after that. But there were a number of guys in those Ohio state teams, Chris Gent. I don't ever remember liking yes. very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of those guys. I'm sure like coach said, you could go through tick down Purdue rosters and, uh, and, and probably get a lot of head nods going through guys from there. I, uh, I'll, I'll jump in here. I totally agree on everybody from Purdue. I mean, just all of them. But uh, the one play, and Jim Jackson is a great one because I also thought he was just the nemesis. Like, he always killed us. He seemed like he scored 30 in every time we played him. But the guy I hate the most is Nick Anderson from Illinois. That's and, 100% fair. Was that that and, game? and you were at that game. Mm-hmm. And I've told this story on our podcast a couple times. We used to go to a game as a family. Uh, we didn't do it a ton, but we would drive from St. Louis. We went to senior day, uh, 1987 against Ohio state when we came from behind and won the game, uh, which, which actually was my first game ever at Indiana at assembly hall as a, as a nine year old kid at the time. And the neck was it the next year was 88 or 89, two years later, the Nick Anderson shot two years, 89. Yeah. We were set to go to that game. 
and there was weather uh, in the area and my parents didn't want to make the drive thinking that it might snow or ice and we'd be stuck on a, you know, on Interstate 70. And so we didn't go and we watched the game. And when Nick Anderson hit that shot, after, by the way, a clutch Jay Edwards shot. Yes. Yeah. But when Nick Anderson hit that shot, I immediately blamed my parents for Nick Anderson making that <laughs> shot. I said, had we gone to that game, the butterfly effect, something would have changed. The fact that we didn't go led to that shot being made. I could have yelled something. It could have bothered somebody. Like, we, my parents were the reason Nick Anderson hit that shot. And I have hated Nick Anderson from that moment on. I'm just glad I know who to blame now. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You've got somebody. Wally and Marsha Pankowski. Yes. Yes. But, uh, you know, both of the, the fellows I was going to mention have been mentioned, and it was because of their, you know, challenge to the supremacy of Cheney, which was Jimmy Jackson. And then as Cheney was leaving and Glenn Robinson was coming in, and it was becoming not just his conference, but his country as far as being the best player. Um, but I, you know, w- what all this made me think of is, is even watching the NBA now. I'm watching these games, and as much as I'm rooting for our guys on these rosters, I also want to see Gary Harris fail because <laughs> he didn't come to IU. I, I love Dallas because of, of Luca and Mark Cuban, but I hate he's got Trey Burke and Tim Hardaway, the third mm. on his team. I'm like, that should be Yogi, damn it. Why didn't he pay him more? So it is, it's fun how that, that when those guys – in my mind, betray us or are against us, even even as, as college kids, it's really hard for me to root for them going forward. Same way it even carries through with the Pacers of like, I can't go for the Clippers. I got nothing against Kawhi, but Paul George left us. So screw you guys. It's, it's you know, you're with us or against us. So it's something that I think it's, it's fun to to chart those throughout and always have somebody you don't want to see do well. Cause yeah, there's, it there's, interesting. there's plenty of those players out there. Went to Kentucky. Don't care. Jamal Murray. You're very exciting to watch. I don't want you to win. <laughs> I'm with you. Fair enough. All right. So let's get to a controversial one. Ooh. So this is the one that Ward and I from, it's why we started the podcast. Basically it was the first topic that we were going to get into. How long does it take for us to know if this Archie Miller experiment is working or not? So we've gone back and forth. We, I always said three years is plenty to tell, although I maintain we didn't get to see a third full year. So that's what I'm hanging my hat on. We didn't see how that, we didn't get to see how that <laughs> tournament experience ended, which is important. Uh, it is, it is absolutely a cop out, but I mean, should it take three, I mean, should it take four years? I get, and I want to ask it in two parts and you guys can all jump in. One is, should it take as long as it's taking? Just all, just blank sheet of paper, should it? And two, should we be better with who we have had on this team? Should our results for the first three years be better than what they have been? So they're kind of connected, but uh, Ryan, why don't you start with that one? Yeah, I think the team the results should have been better. I think that also, if you look at a micro sense, there've been a lot of really bad injuries that have maybe drawn the results down a little bit, but yes, in general, the team should have been better the last three years. I don't, I don't think there's any question about that. What I will say is I think this fourth season is the most, by far the most important 
and and I mean you could say that about because it's right it's, every year it's the season we're in, but <laughs> yeah. but I think that this is the year you have to show that the system works and that this this setup works and that these coaches work and that the players he's recruiting work in this system. I get that it was going to be a rough transition because Archie's system is the polar opposite of Tom Crean's, and so completely changing what you're doing in the culture on both ends of the floor, not just one, but both ends of the floor and changing philosophies. And at the same time, having some of the players that played under the other system have to switch all of their habits. That was going to be rough. And I think that looking back on that, we kind of appreciate it a little more how difficult that was. I still think year three should have had some better results. I still think that I get why year two was such a struggle because of all the injuries. Um, but at the same time, yeah, if you're looking from the beginning of when Archie Miller gets hired, he should have done better in his first three years than he has. That said, he's set up now with all of his players and players that fit his system and a lot of talent, more talent than he's had, I think, across the board. This is the year he's got to show something, and, and he really has to. What does that mean, though, to you in real terms when you say it's got to work? in year four, you've got to show it, in tangible terms. And, and forget for a second that the season's going to be weird and we yeah. don't know how many non-conference games and all that or how many conference games. But let's assume the schedule is going to be played the regular way. What would that have meant for you? I think it means you've got to be competing in the top four in the Big Ten. Okay. Minimum. Competing in the top four in the Big Ten. I know it's going to be a strong conference, so maybe top five. Just no, but that, I get it. Yeah, Whatever that top group is in the Big Ten, you've got to be in it. And then you've also got to, you know, there's no skinnier teeth with the big, with the, with the NCAA tournament. You're making it easily. And we know you're making it long before we get to selection Sunday. And, and, but yeah, it's competing in that top. And I've always said about Indiana, the goal should be to win the big 10, whatever falls out with the tournament, you get lucky. Sometimes you make a run to the championship because totally you. you have to get so lucky to win an NCAA tournament, you know, with the scheduling, with the matchups, all totally. of that, you have to get lucky. The goal every year should be to win the Big Ten title. And, and, and so if you win that Big Ten title and then fall out in the Sweet 16, yeah, it's disappointing. But anything can happen once you hit that tournament. You win the Big Ten, you're showing consistency and you're showing that your system works and that you can take on your biggest challenges, which are going to happen in conference. So then the button on that is Archie the guy. He's got to show me something this year. Okay. I mean, right, I, so I, your, your answer is you just don't know yet. Like, you yeah, need and the fourth I, year. I like what he's building, but you can only build for so long before you have to show results. You can't, if, if you're building a building, you can't just build it for 10 years. You have to actually finish it at some point. Yeah. And, then, and then you start, you know, landscaping it. And then you add the, you know, you, you change the paint, whatever. But you've got to show a result at some point. All right. Who's next? Who wants it? Well, I would piggyback off of what Ryan says. You know, the, the results haven't been very good the first three seasons, you know, and I think it's there's a lot of reasons for that with the injuries and all that stuff baked in. And even with all that stuff baked in, there were games that we lost that we should have won, you know. And so and part of the reason why I think we've lost some of those games is because Archie has been very stubbornly committed to his system putting in the pack line defense, even if it hasn't fit the personnel of the team, you know, doing things offensively and not really adjusting and you know, wanting to do things his way. And if you do that and you're going to sacrifice some wins in the immediate season, because you're trying to build a system, then at some point 
you've got to kind of go the other way, and now the system is built, and you've, boy, we really took our lumps, but, man, we were committed to the pack line, and now look how good the defense is in year four. So, you know, I really think it's very fair to expect this team, which has kind of taken half steps of progress in each of Archie's seasons, to take like two or three steps of progress this year because this is what it should have been building to, which means you're in the conversation for a Big Ten title until the last week of the season, whether you win it or not. You know, you make the, t- the tournament comfortably, and you're in the top 25 for the majority of the season. Like, you know, now you can argue like, okay, does this roster, these players, do you actually think that will happen? That's a different argument than should it happen. And in year four, it should, and I think that's a very fair expectation. And I think because Indiana fans have kind of been forced to be overly patient more than we thought we would have to, I think it's fair to expect a little bit more in year four to kind of see a payoff for that patience and to really see, hey, you know what? This guy, he was really committed to his system, and by gosh, look how good we are now. Maybe even better than our talent suggests we should be. Wow, okay, I'm bought in on this guy. I think that's what it's going to take. That's certainly where I'm at. Great, great. Andy, coach? Yeah. I'm I'm probably in a similar place. I think the the interview that Alex Bozich did with um, Jeff Goodman, where he kind of said, "How would you assess his progress?" and he just said, "Steady, but not as good as I thought it would be." As kind of I thought it was a pretty good synopsis of where things have been. I mean, have they gotten better in statistical areas as you go over the course of time, particularly defensively? Yeah, but it it definitely hasn't progressed nearly as quickly as everybody thought. And I think as you look back now. You know, right or wrong, you're seeing Juwan Morgan getting, you know, at least some minutes in a playoff game in the NBA. You've got, you know, Romeo until he hurt his wrist again has gotten some of that. Like it, it hasn't totally been a talent issue. And I think that's where it goes back to a little bit of what, what Jared was talking about in terms of, you know, have you made the changes in your system that allowed you to get the most out of the talent that you did have? Pro- probably not. Um, yeah, I, I do think the some of the APR pieces of, of things when Archie came in are, are fair criticisms uh, or fair excuses, whatever, whatever you want to say. And, and part of it comes back to who you hired. You hired somebody that, as Ryan said, is the complete opposite. So when you go in and do that, you, you almost need to question at the time, like, is this the best thing? Because how am I going to make the pieces that I have fit in my flagship athletic program? What is it really going to take? What is the rebuild going to take? And am I willing to sign up for that from an athletic department standpoint? And they had to be um, because for as much as Archie's name was a a really big one uh, at that point and and a guy that I was excited to get hired and everything else, like you really, you you know, you, you, and it's easy to say this now, but like, was there a different guy that you could have gone with that was a little bit closer to what Crean was, but moving in a direction that you wanted to go that would have allowed the pieces that were already in place to, to do something. Um, you know, that doesn't really matter at this point. Now it's Archie, you've got your guys um, and, and what are they going to be able to do? And I think Jared's right that you need to see more incremental progress than what you've probably seen. You got to make up some lost ground that you had in these other years where the leaps weren't nearly as big as you thought they would be. And I think that's where the challenge is. I, I, I like him as a coach. I like his approach. I like his, you know, kind of no nonsense and the way that he handles different things, but you're, you're hard pressed to not compare him to other guys that come into different programs, whether they be in the big 10 or elsewhere and say, why can't it be here? The resources are there. There's all those things. I I think the criticism at this point is a hundred percent fair as much as I like him and, and think he can be the guy. I don't know that there's a ton that we've seen that definitively says, yes, he is. So we're going back to Jared because we skipped over it. Is Archie the guy? 
I don't know. I hope so. But we're, I mean, I, I really think that we'll find out this year. I think we're going to know one way or the other. Okay. Coach? I have a mad oh. crush on Archie Miller. And... <laughs> uh, re- results matter. Um, so, so Archie's going to have to win and the system's going to have to work. But from a coaching standpoint, uh, when you take over a program, you're really at the mercy of what went before you. And I know that sounds to a lot of fans like excuse making, um, but but it really is from whether it's high school, college, or whatever, uh, depends on what you got to change and what you got to fix. Uh, and I'm a firm believer that the program really needed a change, um, and Fred Glass made the right decision to make a change because I don't think it was in a good shape. I think the foundation was crumbled. Uh, and then you got to start by building the foundation up, and you're not going to put the roof on until the foundation is built. And the foundation has taken a little bit longer, but there was some problems in put in building the, the whether it be injuries or whatever, um, you know. And and then unfortunately had some coaches in the area that have taken over programs. Louisville, despite the craziness of Rick Pitino, was in a better position for a coach to take over. Ohio State, Thad Mata left that program better than Tom Crean, and that that is just my honest belief um, from being a coach here in the state of Indiana and understanding the recruiting that went south. Uh, because of the relationships, uh, I think Archie has done a good job at building the foundation. He has not done a good job in getting enough guards because it is a guards game, and, and the guards have been hurt or have not played. You know, Romeo was hurt, and and we talked about Rob Finnessy, uh, and you got to win despite injuries. Next man up, I firmly believe that as well. So he has to win in the next two years, or he's not going to be the guy. Uh, but I do believe that the foundation is there to see some success, and that makes me very satisfied um, with with where we're at because I think any coach you 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 would have brought in would have faced uh, similar struggles um, that Archie did. And I know that's different than the other guys here on the panel, but, um, you know, I've taken over some programs that were really poorly run in my career, and my record has taken a huge hit. If you look up my high school record, because the first couple years were two wins and five wins. But we were talking about, you know, tucking your jersey in at practice, and we were talking about toes behind the end line, and and you're trying to fix some stuff that needs to be fixed. And I'm not saying that was equal to Indiana, but it's hard, fellas, to come in, uh, especially when you are a totally opposite type of coach um, to take over over programs. And and as fans, I agree totally with what with the impatience because you want to win immediately. And I also thought Archie would do better because I, I saw what he did at Dayton. But I, I just think it was a lot tougher than any of us wanted to believe, and it's kind of hard when you had a Big Ten championship in 2016. But the players, Yogi won that one. Um, and talk about a coach that didn't get a lot of with talent. How many players are in the NBA? And we, we, we only went to the Sweet 16 with the previous you know, administration too. So everything wasn't as rosy. The two Big Ten titles kind of – gloss it over but the two three zone needs to be attacked in certain ways so um you know we need to be careful we need to be careful what we wish for because if you start changing every three or four years you're going to end up in another situation where we have you know 87 sets against the zone and 86 of them don't work um (laughs) i i hear you uh and intellectually it all makes sense and then i just go we finished 11th in the big 10 in year three and then I go, Mike Davis had a lot of trouble maintaining what he 
what he walked into at Indiana and the foundation had pretty much crumbled when he was done. And for all the bad stuff about Calvin Sampson, that team had an identity and was turned around in year one with almost all of the same players. And it's hard to reconcile all of that. And I don't, I don't dispute any of what's said about what Archie had to walk into. It was a mess. It was a total mess. I mean, coach, you know better than me, but like everything I've heard from, you know, off of our podcast is how the the state just turned on Crean. He had no respect from many of the AAU coaches, any of the high school coaches. They weren't steering people to him. He canceled the team camps that were a big deal. And Archie has built that stuff up. I No doubt about all that. He had two NBA players in his starting five in year two, and we were a crappy basketball team. And, you know, it's just – It's a guards game, Lord. Yeah. And the guards that we had weren't good. If you're going to be critical – honestly, if you're going to be critical of Archie, his guard um, roster construction in the guards, as soon as he possibly can, I, I think um, yeah. you know, Romeo and Juwan had to score at the basket. And, they're, you know, there just wasn't guards. Yeah, that's fair. And, and I think that's point, fair. Guard slash shooting. Because yes. like, yeah, the Romeo's shooting has been Romeo's even a guard. more than – yeah, if yeah. we had if we had three wings and one of them was a forward who could shoot forty percent, you know, and look, Jerome should. I think everybody thought Jerome was that, or at least going to be that by his sophomore year, you know. And we thought he was going to have impact his freshman year, obviously, and and that didn't happen. But um, I think we all well, are in agreement. Think, There's no patience after year four. I think yeah. there was, you know, in in the middle of that a year two, just like truly a historic rash of injuries yada yada but as seasons go by how lucky or unlucky you are with the combinations you have or what was was there when you got there it starts to just become math and I think the reason somebody alluded to earlier we as a fan base have had to get more patient because after 20 years of trying to get back to what we all grew up with it's like oh I don't know I don't know if we can ever get back to that. If any program that, you know, outside of Duke and Kentucky and Kansas can really get back to that in the modern game of basketball. Of course, we're going to all keep uh, aspiring to that. But I think uh, the real reason I'm like, okay, he needs four years and have been able to maintain that is because as maybe slow as it been, there's been undeniable progress from one to two to three when you just look at like it's it's gotten a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better, but now those little bit betters have to add up to I think some criteria laid down of easily in the tournament, a top twenty-five team in the top tier of the Big Ten. Uh, but since we've all gone through that with the present, I'd like to take a trip into the future. Ooh. What would it be like for each of you as you're laying down to die and you go through your mind, Jesus. what needs to happen between this conversation and your death for you to die a happy Indiana oh, fan? That is an awesome question. And let's assume death is 20 to 50 years from now. Yes. For you I'm guys. <laughs> no, for you too. I'm a little no, closer. No, no, no. For so you that, too. We got at least to say we're working with a minimum of two decades. I yes. could very well be the first yeah. one dead. Let well, depending on technology, no we stay alive forever, and we're just stuck in this purgatory of that's true. 11th place finishes forever. <laughs> we're on our 60th season of the Assembly yeah. Call this year. And, and Indiana is 15 and 14. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, does, that's a great anybody question. Ready to, great. Yeah. Does anybody have? I'll start off. For Go me, ahead, it would coach. be it'd be consistently a top of the Big Ten program and 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 in the top twenty-five more than not. Um, obviously. I'd love another national championship, but I don't need that to be happy. I, I, and that's not because I've had that when I was younger, but it's so hard to win a national championship. But I'm tired of seeing Michigan State and Wisconsin consistently be where Indiana should be. And if Indiana could get back to that level year in and year out, I, I, that would be that consistent level of success uh, uh, would be good for me. Yeah, nice. I, I would. So my official Indiana fandom started in 2003. So I've had a rough go, guys. I've had a rough and rough. You didn't go. even get the 2002 season. I There's know. a reason I look Dang. like this right now. Okay, uh, I'm just letting it go. No, I. If they hang another, I've never had a championship. So you guys have. I've had Big Ten championships, but you guys have had championships. I've never had one. If they win a championship and I get to watch or be there or just be involved or be doing our show after a championship game, that's it. That's I'm happy. You know, no, I, no matter what else, though, Ryan. Like I mean, you know, you want to be a chip and then crappy the rest of the time. I, you know, it's hard for me. Is it like that is such a goal, like the championship, that I can't look past it. You know, it's like I want them to win. Of course, I want them to be competitive. I want, I want. I've said for a long time, I want Indiana to be what Villanova is now, where even if you're not winning a championship that year, you're competitive and people don't want to play you what Michigan state has been for so long. Yes. You don't want to go to Michigan state. You don't want to play Michigan state at home. Like the, the Villanova is the model. I think that Archie's trying to create where it's, you've got a lot of veterans, then you get the one five-star guy or high four-star guy to move in. And he's the straw that stirs the drink, but you've got these guys you can rely on. And then you're competitive even every year, even if you're out in the round of 32, you still felt like well, that was a pretty good season, you know? And I feel like, that's the goal. But if they win a championship, I would have a grace period for so long. I guys, I'm from San Diego. We don't win yeah, championships. I'm with you. Like I, you don't even keep I, your teams. No. <laughs> and, and so I've, Chargers. I've, I've taken a lot of hits in my fandom. I just want a title, and I want yeah. a title from a team that I that I love and that I'm so passionate about. It's hard to look past that for me. Got it, Andy. I think um, I, I'm. I follow in line pretty much with what coach said. I think if you can get yourself to the point where you are regularly competing for the big 10 championship and, and making the NCAA tournament, like if you're competing for one of the you know top spots in the big 10, like you're good enough to make a run. We, you know, Ryan alluded to earlier that you, there is luck. There are matchups. There's a lot of things about the tournament that don't, that suggest that the best team doesn't always win it. Um, but you're at least putting yourself in a position to get a protected seed and to, and to, be able to things break your way, then, then you can get there. And I think that's what you know, probably has been the most frustrating. I mean, you joke about the 11th place, 11th place finish. Like you're just not even close to being in the running for that heading into the last couple of weeks of the season. And what does that look like and feel like? And, uh, and those kinds of things. And, and the Villanova example is a good one. I mean, they, they lose, you know, I think Sadiq Bay was their leading scorer last year. They lose him and they're still in the top three of basically everybody's projections heading right. into heading into the season. So where you're not on the razor's edge of one guy coming back, not coming back, getting hurt or whatever is, is the determining factor between, well, this year we can compete for the big 10 championship or, well, we're going to have to settle for uh, something else. And and so I think more of that than the, the championship piece for me, I, that would obviously be uh, tremendous. But I think if you're doing the other, those other things and you're putting yourself in a position to win a championship and I would probably like to be at a point where I am, 
move past getting upset about where they finished in the Big Ten and moving toward, man, really upset we can't get past, you know, this round of the tournament. Um, you know, that would be great. And then maybe I'd change my team at that point. But based on how things have been the last handful of years, I think being at that level in what is always one of the best conferences in the country would, would make you feel pretty good about the program. Mr. Morris, Mr. Morris, where are you at? It's hard to put a quantitative value on it. I mean, I agree with Ryan, like, you know, we want to hang another banner. We want to hang multiple banners, but to me, it's more of a qualitative thing. Like I remember going to games, you know, the 1993, the 92, 93 season. I just remember so vividly and the team was incredible, obviously, but even more than that, like, Indiana was the center of the basketball universe. We had the best player. We had the best team. We had the best coach. When Nick Nolte was coming to research a movie for Blue Chips, he came to Bloomington. You know, like, and there was, was I 12 at the time, 11, 12 years old? There was a pride that went along with that, where it's like, I'm a fan of Indiana basketball, and this is how basketball is done right. And I just like that. So like that feeling is like a part of me, you know, that the program I cheer for does college basketball the best way it can be done. Now, there's a major cognitive dissonance that you've had to have as an Indiana fan with that feeling. And then the results that we've had, because we haven't done college basketball the right way. But I still feel like that's in there. Like there's, you know, obviously there's certain things from an administration level and the university has to be bought in, all those things. And, you know, I don't want to get into all that stuff, but I still feel like Indiana can be that. And so I would like to get back to that, to that feeling of like, I'll always have pride in being an Indiana fan, of course, forever. But that just kind of next level where it's like when you're in a conversation with basketball fans, you're like, oh, I'm an Indiana fan. And there's like a respect level there, you know, like if you're talking to a Kansas fan or to a Villanova fan or to a fan of a team right now that is kind of doing it the right way and is a model that other programs want to follow. I am sick and tired of pointing to these other programs and, man, I love the way Michigan State does stuff. Oh, it's great to see the – screw that. How about the way Indiana does stuff and being able to be a fan and take pride in that? And with that's going to come results, obviously. But I just want that feeling again because that's what I grew up knowing. And that connection is what, like, you know, drives us to hop on the show after every game because, like, we want to get back to that. So I want to feel that again. And I don't think, you know, I think it's possible. Like, I don't – I mean, I think Indiana can get back to that. Like, there's a, there are a lot of inherent things about Indiana University and where we're situated and the state that we're in and the history that can get us there. Yeah, I agree you know, with We just that. have to have the right guy. At the helm. And maybe we do. Hopefully we do. Yeah, hopefully we do. I Yeah, I (laughs) – well, I want to follow up on that for one thing because it's interesting. It made me think of two things. One, I love what Jared was saying about that feeling and that pride. That is created in other places by transcendent coaches. Yes. Like not very good coaches. Great coaches. I mean, we're talking about Krzyzewski, Dean Smith did it, Izzo has done it, Bill Self is doing it at Kansas, Jay Wright is well on his way, Tony Bennett is well on his way. You are talking about the cream of the crop. That's what it takes to get that. I'm just going to leave it there. The other thing I want to say is I had a conversation very recently with 
a person who is, I can't say the names, but it's a person connected, an adult connected to a recruit, okay, that Indiana is going for. And I have a prior relationship with this person. We're, we've known each other for 15, 20 years. And I made some flippant comment to him about like, listen, you just got to make this happen. You know, just send him. <laughs> and, I, and I made some reference to Kid and Play, which was an inside joke between he and I from a long time ago. And his response was, that when kid in play was relevant was the last time Indiana basketball was relevant. And it crushed me, but it's exactly (laughs) what Jared is talking about. No one would have dared make, you couldn't even make a joke like that in 1995. You couldn't have made a joke like that in 1985. You couldn't have made a joke like that in 1980. And it is, that is the most depressing part, I think, overall about Indiana, being a fan of Indiana, is that aura has been diminished. And that is uh, really sad. As far as what would make me happy, minimum, the minimum thing that would make me happy is the last 20 years of Michigan State basketball. So we were yes, talking fair. about 20 years. Give me 20 years of being the preeminent program, or one of two, but they are the preeminent program in the conference, multiple Big Ten titles, Final Fours, multiple Final Fours, and one championship. I, I need – I hear what Coach is saying. I hear what Andy is saying. And I've argued that with Rabbi on our stuff. Is like I've all, Rabbi's like, well, a, a big NCAA tournament run washes away everything else. Like Rabbi's always said, he compares it to um, Bayheim's year a few years back where he went to the Final Four and the team was kind of crap going yeah. into it. And well, then it's a great season. And I said, yeah, but you have to, the only way to get those or to be lucky to know that you're going to get those is that if you're consistently competing at the top end of your conference year in and year Mm -hmm. out, because like you guys all said that, that that's how breaks happen or you get just totally lucky. And that's not what I want. I don't want just a lucky season. So give me the last 20 years of Michigan state basketball. That will make me minimally, that will make me happy, but that's the minimum. And ironically, yeah. they can't beat us anymore. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think Eric, I'm very much along the lines that you are. And I think to quantify that, Jared, because part of what Eric pulled into was your, your feeling, which I think is a really truthful way to look at, at what we need to die happy, right, is to feel like we are at the absolute top tier of college basketball year in and year out. And I think there's no question from 1940 to 1995, there was no way you could say Indiana wasn't one of the top five programs in college basketball. And yes, has the the level of talent. And we just had a, a really interesting conversation about this in that that somebody who, who played and knows, wait, who was it? Who were we just talking to about the level of competition? Tom Bolliard. Yeah, Tom Bolliard, who was like just an amazing player uh, back with the Van Arsdales and with Walt Bellamy and Jimmy Rail. And he's like, yeah, there's no doubt the Big Ten is so much deeper and so much stronger. So taking that into account, but it's like I, I want to feel for the rest of my life, you know, hopefully it's in the next couple, three years, we get back into the conversation of the top programs in the country on the court 
because because of that spectacular 55-year run and a couple of lucky runs and seasons in the last 20 years, we, we can still coast off of that. And because there's crazy people like the six of us willing to get together on a holiday weekend for a couple hours to, to talk like this, we are still a very exceptional program with so much of the history and the trappings and the wealth around it. But for, for here until, until the sun sets on, on this good life of ours, I, I need to feel like for the vast majority of those years, we're, we're a top 10, 15 team in the country any given year, any given tournament. We could get hot and we could get the breaks and we could end up in the final four. And to, to die being like, yeah, there is a rough patch in the middle but I basically was a fan of one of the best five college programs in the country during my time on this earth. And the critics can kiss my ass. <laughs> well, I hope someday we can look at this as just a patch. Yeah, yeah no yeah. kidding. Yeah. No kidding. All right. So before we let you guys go, we got to end on something lighthearted. Give me the funniest thing that has happened in your time on assembly call. What, what is the funniest thing that either happened on air that you guys talk about or something that happened off air that you have not talked about. Give us some, some funny memory from your hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of shows that you have done. Oh, that's a tough one. You guys talk. I'm going to look through our drops here and see which one I, <laughs> which one I should play. Oh, no, or that's or if you want just the single best memory that you have from doing it, because I know it's hard to come up on the spot with what the funniest thing is, but what is your single best memory of assembly call? I'll well, tell my- you the- Oh, uh, well, I'll tell go you ahead, the best. Jay. The best memory is because we did the show for the first four years. We did the show. None of us had ever met, so we didn't. We hadn't met each other in college. We're ah. all at school at different times. Even when we were working on Midwest Sports fans, like you know, we had, we had actually remote. met. It was all it was all online. Crazy. So you know, we knew each other from just talking on Blog Talk Radio, and then eventually we started doing the YouTube show. So the best, the best memory is you know the first meetup where we actually all got together and were there together to hang out and like see each other, and you know like the chemistry was just like it was, you know during a show. It, it made it feel so much more real. And so then that kind of set the standard of then doing it regularly, you know. And so then as coach joins the show, now we get to go you know meet him, and then just doing meetups where we actually get to meet you know the people who listen to the show. Yes. Like, that's what makes it worth doing, you know, because. And, you know, these guys will attest to this and you guys can probably attest to this now. You've been doing your podcast for a while. Like you start doing it and it's fun, but it also becomes a little bit of a grind and it becomes a little bit of like a thing that you have to fill in and get done, you know, and it's it's a lot easier to do when the team is winning. And there have been some seasons where we haven't been winning. And so I think, you know, for me, what always keeps me enthusiastic, like no matter what, no matter what type of week I'm having, what the team is doing is knowing how many people are showing up to listen to us do it live or who listen on the podcast, who talk about how much it's meant to them. You know, a lot of the same feedback that you guys get on the show. And then to be able to actually go meet these people in person and develop like relationships with them, become friends with them. That is, I mean, all like those memories trump like the actual games, you know, like whenever, when I think about the show and what it means, like I just think about all the people that I've talked to one-on-one at meetups that, I mean, that stuff, that that's because like, that's the thing, you know, like if we were just in this for winning, winning basketball, you know, like, boy, there have been many opportunities to jump ship during this. We shuttered the show a few years it. ago. Yeah. yeah, but it's like the reason we all do this is because it's a community. 
you know, and like we actually care about each other and the games bring us together and they give us something to talk about. But it's, you know, it's a, it's it's like a, a thing that we have in common that brings people together. And so those memories to me and those moments are always the most special ones. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, there's two memories for me that stand out. And one was we um, were standing on the floor before a game one time when we went there and we were standing there and we were just talking amongst the three of us like we always do as Jared, Andy and I, it was before we had added coach. I mean, coach was part of the show, but just not officially yet. And the three of us were just kind of standing there and somebody came up and introduced themselves and we're like, Oh yeah. They're like, I love your show. I watch it all the time. And then somebody else did. And then we looked over and realized there was a line of people waiting to introduce themselves to us. And we were like, cause we do this in a vacuum. It's the three of us talking. There's a chat going, but you know, we don't understand, you know, and, and then so, and then I think the meetup at Switchyard where you guys came up on stage with us and stuff, and you guys had done that before. You guys had done had done sort of events and stuff. We'd never done that. And so to have all those people there wanting to talk to us and meet us and hang out and just sit and watch us do a show was, it's you know, that was, it's it was eye-opening right? eye for yeah. sure. Um, and yeah, and so that was amazing. I agree with Jared. The first time we all met, I think that uh, some of the people around us were like, well, is it going to be awkward and stuff? And I think the three of us just have, and, and coach, of course, now that there's four of us, we all just kind of relate to each other in person exactly how we do on the show. It's different than you and Ward, though, because you guys knew each other. Right. Like, we didn't know each other. No, the, the, the difference is we wish we didn't. Like, Ward yeah, and I course. wish yes. we had never met. Yeah. To this day. <laughs> <laughs> thorn in each other's side the whole time that's exactly um, right that's great but it was really it was really interesting to, that the that the way we hung out and related to each other in person was exactly the same as on the air just giving each other crap constantly and you know the personalities are exactly the same as they are you know that you see on the show so i think jared's right those are the two things that are most memorable for me from the show yeah, I mean, I, I would definitely agree with those. Just seeing how even the meetups over the course of time have gotten um, gotten bigger. And even, you know, the first one, like, is anybody even going to be there? Stuff like that. But yeah, definitely the first time we all hung out, the the Friday night, we all got into town. And um, yeah, it was like picking up where you left off. And I think it's always funny to hear people, you know, when they, they find that out about like, well, we didn't know each other, you know, at all uh, in person. And it's, you know, kind of a weird world where you can, talk to each other as much as we talk to each other for that period of time and never were actually in the physically same place to do it. Totally. Um, if I think about other like funny things, a couple of things that stand out er- early in the show, in addition to taking the calls, like there was, I, I won't say heavy drinking that often took place during the show, <laughs> there was a lot. but there was definitely like, I mean, I would go, I would grab, at least a couple beers and like just sit them next to me where I would do the show. And we would, so things got a little bit loose, I think probably on, yes. on some of those uh, we've, we've dialed that in both as we've gotten uh, older and more mature. And also as it's been picked up by radio stations, yes. where, <laughs> uh, things we probably, probably couldn't or shouldn't, uh, shouldn't say in that scenario. Um, the other one that was, that was kind of funny was just um, when the alumni magazine reached out a, few, a couple years ago. I oh guess. God. <laughs> and so they were doing a story on like podcasts about, you know, people. So then they came and then they wanted to do this like photo shoot at assembly hall, which was a little bit like just kind of, kind of awkward. And even like looking through some of the pictures, it was like, I don't know that we really look 
I don't know that some of these are going to make people more uh, likely to listen to the show. But <laughs> Yeah, it was about an hour and the photographer was really nice, but he's like, all right, I need you guys to do this and this. And we're just like, can't you just take our picture? You know, like, <laughs> I was thinking we went, we're in like five minutes and we're out. Like we're yeah, done. And he's like, we why don't you go over different- here? And what if you held this? And then the one time I swear he was like laying on the ground trying to do, I was like, I don't even know. I don't even know what's happening, but it, yeah, so anyway, then it was funny. Well, then I'd forgotten to tell my parents about it. And so at one point I get a call and they're like, Hey, we open up the alumni magazine and you guys are in it. So nice. Um, so yeah, that That's was kind of cool. So that was, uh, I don't know. Those were some of the funnier things, but yeah, some of the, some of the shows, I think there was like a Penn state game when like couldn't get the ball inbounds. I, I'm not sure how many beers I consumed during the latter part of that game and the and the early part of the post game show but it was not it it wasn't pretty as i recall so, uh, i didn't want to i didn't want to get away from the uh at least giving you at least a couple kind of kind of funny things i love it and coach i know it's your your formal involvement has been shorter than the other three guys but something that sticks out for you well it usually the being called coach has taken on a whole new uh meaning now usually it's come on coach what are you doing you know you you suck coach from the stands right <laughs> now when you go back to a meetup it is hey coach hey coach and it's, it's, a it's finally got the respect that it deserves uh, absolutely thanks yeah. to, thanks to these guys um the meetups have been fantastic uh i've i'm a season ticket football uh holder and i've um sent out invites to listeners who are also uh, football fans and the tailgates have been really really fun there's a few people that think the whole crew's going to be there and then they just see it's me and there's a little disappointment on their face (laughs) um the fact that we provide something for the listeners and and they can they're attached to it enough to to come and see you and and now a few are are you know texting and emailing that that, that's that's just a really solid memory and then all the drops that jared has on me i'm I guess I'm the drop machine uh, that I say the most stupid things, and uh, he's got them all recorded. But the one time when someone in our chat, never seen him in our chat, and and he was just ripping on Archie, and, and I uh, I went on a little anti-rant um, on, on the, the negativity in the chat room, and, and that, that'll be forever memorable for me. I, they're talking about trying to put it on a T-shirt. and <laughs> I have that rant handy. Yeah. No hear it. Uh, uh, is there one line that stands out from that rant? I don't like carrots. <laughs> That's another one. <laughs> that was it. Because wasn't the guy really in the your chat ass. like... That's ridiculous. That's just not right. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That is so good. Every, every night after the show, I record downstairs here in my bunker that, that yeah. you appropriately uh, described and I go up and she okay what did you say today that yeah. Jared's gonna have on a drop and I gotta <laughs> you have to explain it to the wife <laughs> yeah well I, I want to share this story that I think we shared a long time ago when Jared you guys had us on uh for something in our first like six months or so but Ward and I started and we just wanted to yell at each other about Indiana basketball because that's what we would do anyway and in one of the first ones it's actually appropriate it goes back to Devante. I went nuts on Devante and, and coined him Devante Cream instead of Devante Green and went just nuts on it and was like, that's who he is. And, and then not so long after that, we also did the AJ Moye interview, I believe, or the, or the Jared one. They came pretty close. And Jared reached out to me via Twitter. I had just started the Twitter account. And basically... Uh, we had an exchange. Well, actually, no, he, he went on Twitter publicly first and said, 
I'm not a big fan of them going after Devante the way they did, which was fair. Like, it wasn't rude or anything. But these guys' interviews are great, and every Indiana fan should check it out. And I was like, wow, this is like, that's a classy move from a guy who's running a podcast. Clearly, he's right. I mean, there was nothing justifiable about what I'd said about Devontae Green as a 40-year-old man talking about a 19- or 20-year-old kid. Nothing justifiable. But from that point on, Jared and Assembly Call and all of you guys, you've been so supportive of us. We started this. We're coming up close to our two-year anniversary. But there is absolutely no way anybody knows about us, period. If it weren't for you guys using the platform you had, you're the leading Indiana podcast, to, to get the word out about us and to kind of, to use another wrestling term, to give us the rub, if you will, that you did and you kind of made it okay for Indiana fans to come check us out. We saw a huge pop right when that happened. And honestly, like it stayed there because people listen to you. And we know people listen to you because Ward and I did for years and continue to. So we are huge fans of everything that you guys have done for the Indiana community, a community that we now feel lucky enough to be a part of in a way that we never did before. And a huge part of that is owed to you guys. So just wanted to, we haven't had the chance to really do that on our show. And, and I just wanted to personally say thank you to Jared for those comments early, uh, early on, but to all of you guys for what you do. And, and one of my favorite memories is when we were back in Indiana and we were, we both had our like our hysterics dinner and your assembly call dinner were in back to back tables <laughs> at little Zagreb's. And it was such a cool thing to meet you guys all in person, give big hugs. It was just such a cool thing Ward and I geeked out about it. We're like, we yeah. can't believe we're part of this. So and, and, we and were prepared of- for it to be more like an Anchorman scenario <laughs> yes. where there were going to be rival factions. <laughs> Things yeah, escalated it, it, quickly. It turned out to be pretty cordial. So that yeah. was, yeah, we appreciate it. <laughs> no, it, it, it is community, right? Getting into this, Eric and I had no idea about the community. It's like we could go to an event at the parlor on Melrose here in LA, you know, for the watch shot and 100 IU alum strong. And, and that was wonderful to, to jump into, but then you're out of it and it's, it's not sort of an ongoing thing. And then entering into the, the podcast community, you guys really began and several others sprang up around that. And then how you get back to Bloomington and having come back to Bloomington many times since having graduated, and it's simply a trip down memory lane that's more associated with buildings and restaurants than with people. But because you welcomed us in and, and then we actually got there and people, not just who were already there, whether you guys were in town or just other alums or listeners from the shows came in and it became such a real living, breathing community in which there was handshakes and hugs and eye contact. It, it's, it's really been the most unexpected and the most wonderful part about the whole journey. So thank you for, for really helping create and foster that community and welcoming us into it. And, and really even being here today, it's just a part of this journey we never thought would have come around where it's like, geez, these guys do this great show and we can never do that. Uh, well, we can't. We, 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 we cannot. Yeah, <laughs> we, we do not have the knowledge. No, or this. <laughs> we, we found, we found uh, basketball players who played the game somehow legitimized us and gave us something different to offer the community, which I think all the pods we listen to, obviously nobody can do what you guys do. So everybody kind of finds their thing, but that it's all one big happy IU family 
is, I think, why it's been such a rewarding journey and why we can survive really mediocre basketball and still have fun. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, what you guys are doing is great. I mean, it's a niche that needed to be filled, you know, letting the players tell their stories. I mean, it's just it's such a great gift to the IU community that you guys give. Um, and, you know, look, it would have been pretty hypocritical of us to not you know, to not try and help new podcasters around. Cause when we first started, I mean the, you know, Alex Bozich at inside the hall, you know, would did kind of did the same thing and chronic Hoosier and some of the people who had kind of been around, you know, they, you know, said, Hey, these guys are worth checking out, give them a listen. And that can make all the difference in the world for, you know, someone who's kind of new and trying to, you know, kind of build their authority a little bit and get some legitimacy. And, you know, plus, you know, we, look, we identified early on that Eric was a potential trustee and <laughs> we may have some favors that we need to call in. There, so there's some strategy the involved here. Yeah. Come on. By the way, do, do we have your vote? Of course. Yeah. Come on. All right. I mean, it's Wait, happening. Okay. By the way, it was a slight nod by Andy. I was checking. I was like, you got everybody. And Andy was like, all right. Andy's got a spreadsheet of all the, you know, of all the trustee people. He's seating everybody. So yes. he'll, he'll no, that's you know. good. I, I will tell you, it's been funny because we've gotten some phone calls from people within the infrastructure, let's just say, that at first were like, are you serious? <laughs> and we were like, yes, we're dead serious. And, now, and then the next wave of calls was like, there are some people really worried that you might win. <laughs> and I'm like, well, then they should vote against me. I mean, like, I, I, I don't know what to tell you. Like, yeah. And then, and now it's like, now it's some of the phone calls are like, well, do you really think you're qualified? I'm, I mean, what? I mean, come on, qualified? I graduated Indiana. That makes me qualified. <laughs> passionate so, about school. Few yes, people exactly. are as passionate about, as you are. Eric. So, yeah. it, you know, look, it, it's going to be a fun thing, but we are dead serious. And now I'm glad we just got uh, four confirmations on votes. That's huge. There you go. <laughs> we just we just quadrupled our vote total. <laughs> you, got a, you got a whiteboard back there with tick marks on it. Yeah, exactly. Like, right, four more. All right, Small whiteboard. Small whiteboard. Um, Guys, we can't thank you enough for for everything and for this last couple plus hours. It was just it was just so fun to to. I feel like we were on the assembly call podcast, but now we get to put it out to our listeners and. I'm sure they're all already fans, but maybe a couple trickled in through the back door directly to us and and uh, and got exposed to a taste of what you guys do so often during the season, during the off season. That's really crucial to my own sanity. So so thank you for for making two young podcasters' dreams come true. <laughs> I'm just I'm a little sure. offended that it's only two hours and ten minutes. I brought like clothes to change into, or <laughs> drinks and stuff, diaper, man, wearing an adult diaper, an yeah. overnight <laughs> bag, and a sleeping bag. It's... The truth my, is, my wife was like, "How long is this going to take?" I was like, I, "I really, I don't know." <laughs> I'll see you Tuesday, honey. I'll see you Tuesday. <laughs> I don't know. Well, look, I'll be honest with you. When Ward and I have talked about this, we would love for this to become like you know semi-annual or something because yeah. I mean we could talk to you guys forever so we hope this is the first of many that, that we do and we have to save some ammunition for later yeah. uh, and and again we're like a, Dane Fife basically yes exactly the yeah. saga <laughs> um, <laughs> and just uh just a quick plug to the people that that don't know you that Ward said are people that might have trickled in through the back door the single best thing to do when you're a fan of Indiana when we win a game is to live in the moment. 
right? There's nothing better than when we win a big game and you see it on ESPN and you just want to watch the highlights over and over again or go to Big Ten. There's nothing better. There is nothing better than we win a game to go listen to what Assembly Call has to say about the game. You get to live in the moment of winning a game, and every win seems so important, especially we know how big wins are over the last several years, but there is nothing better than living that vicariously with you guys. Equally, there is nothing better than venting about a loss than going to Assembly Call and living in that moment and getting it out. Because if you don't get it out, you take it out on your wife, ex-wife, or kids, <laughs> and, or pets, and you don't need to do any of that. So it is the assembly call, even though it's just a bunch of blogger boys, I think that it's just, uh, I think that (laughs) there is nothing better than going to assembly call after a game either way. I love it. It lets you live in the thing you want to live in. The worst thing is when an Indiana game ends because then it's over, but not with assembly call. You get to keep living it. So please go if you haven't. Thank you for that. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Archie and his boys, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Warren and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.